Hey boomers, welcome once again to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your Sega-sational guide to the night. Dave's bouncing up and down in his chair and it's throwing off my rhythm. I'm very excited. <laughs> your Sega-sational guide to the world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. Dave, what's got you so excited? Oh, I don't know, just the fact that we're finally getting around to hitting record, I think. <laughs> as always are your humans who think we're in charge although we're not so in charge of it today i don't think <laughs> i am chris mcfeely i'm dave bulmer and we've got a guest it's our friend who are you hi there uh, i'm kat kelly i am a very very amateur artist a big pop culture fan albeit coming to a bit late in life for reasons i actually do a podcast myself well it's not really so much of a podcast as an intermittent cry for help um <laughs> with my husband called i don't like mondays where we are systematically reviewing every single garfield comic ever produced <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one listen to it and i'm a massive fan of this show so this is a little bit like you know like if you'd called into live and kicking to do one of those telephone <laughs> yeah. video games and you actually got through so yeah i'm really excited to be here long time listener first time caller yeah will cat win the golden bone on this issue of stctp Wow, no, that is some niche-ass comedy right there. <laughs> Nobody who is not a very certain age at a very certain time in a very certain country is going to get what that was, and I refuse to explain it. <laughs> That's right, we've got issue number 38, cover date in November the 11th, 1994. Chris, do you have any, can you top that information? I can, it was released to shelves on October the 29th. Oof! Yes, it's notionally the Halloween issue, based oh, is on it? what they told us mm. last issue, but in practice... No, it's not. No, it's not. And in fact, it's more explicitly a fireworks night issue, but we'll uh, get to that in a moment. It's an odd hybrid, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the two are... This is... My problem is I always forget how close the two are, so I'm comfortably having Halloween going great, I don't need to get my act together and figure out where the local fireworks display is, and then it's on. It's tonight. Oh, I've missed it again. See, we don't really have bonfire night over here. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, no, well, you see, no, but uh, Halloween is huge oh, is it? over here. Yes, my city in particular hosts the largest Halloween carnival in Europe and oh, ends wow. with a huge fireworks display over the river, so... We get it all done in one night. In Ireland, don't you have a different name for it that English people can't pronounce? That I, That's one of those old world type things. This, right. you know, believe me, what we celebrate up here with this big carnival is very much... Halloween. Very much the American ideal of what Halloween is. Pumpkins, yeah. Listen, when I was a kid and I went trick-or-treating, you'd be lucky if you got a handful of nuts and an orange. <laughs> this is a very recent thing, this idea of getting real chocolate when you go out. God, we didn't really have trick-or-treating, I don't think. It's quite recent. No, that's no. what I'm saying. It's, it's not. It no. wasn't really a thing when we were little. Well, we had know. a version of it when I was little, which was that people would come round to our house. Like, I never went. It was just that, mm. you know, on Halloween night, there'd be between five and ten kids would show up at the door and get a little Snickers. I did eventually start going round, but only two years in a row. I was already a bit too old for it then. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't really a tradition in our area, but I do remember getting to about like 17 or 18 and going, you know what, I'm never being trick-or-treating mm. one night actually on Halloween and we had no costumes at all. So we just kind of, we got some old bin bags and really badly drew some like stars and moons on them, put them on over our heads and claimed we were witches and just went around the local neighbourhood. That's, I'll do it. That's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That was the calibre of trick-or-treating back in our day. Pretty see. much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wear a bin bag. Tell you what though, I do recommend it. I mean, the two years that i did it i came home with a big tub full of flipping sweets it's like i thought you'd come home with a couple of sweets and you might as well just wait until you see your nan at the weekend and you'll get as many sweets no 
Oh no, always oh, a big lot of sweets. The second year, we were going down my road, and we a couple of girls that we knew from school were coming up the other way, and they were like, "You gotta go round to this house down there. Look what we got. They'd only got a whole flipping ice cream gato." <gasps> <laughs> That sounds like they caught the people in the house unaware. Doesn't it? Like, uh, what, what have we got in uh, Vianetta? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh, bit th- forget Vianetta. We're talking full round cake. It was incredible. Oh, was it like a fancy Sarah Lee? Well, I don't know. I don't know the words for these things, but it was strawberry flavour. That much I can give you. Ooh. Oh, it was. I was very impressed. But of course, we didn't know what house they were talking about, so we never found out whether or not there were any more. They probably uh. didn't. I've got this lovely image of Dave as a kid dressed up to the nines for Halloween, just yelling the words, ice cream, <laughs> ice cream, as he goes down the road. <laughs> what did I go dressed as? Because I wasn't... I was about to ask. Yeah, I can remember what I did the last time, but this was when I was like, you know, like 14 or something, or 30, like a bit too mm. old and like, you know... But... Oh, I didn't do it into my teens now. No, well, this is it. And I could tell that I shouldn't really be doing it anymore. Anymore. so i went for something slightly ironic and i think mm-hmm. i think basically i just went as quote unquote a freak and the way that i did this was just by putting on any weird clothes we could find around the house so i had a fez and a cape flax off a of mini cattle and a pair of you know glasses that were plastic skulls you know, just anything i could find i wasn't a particular thing i don't know what it was yeah. the previous year i don't know I remember being a pirate one year, but that's all I can actually remember. Oh. Now, I'll tell you what, my best actual fancy dress party thing ever was they had a fancy dress competition at the school summer fete, and I went as the boy from the snowman, which meant that all I had to do was have my exact face and hair, because I was a little ginger <laughs> boy, and a dressing gown on, and I had a little mm. toy snowman in my pocket that I just had it already anyway, just to show who I was. But my brother went as Paddington, and there is a very nice little photo of him as a you know he must have been four years old or something like that with his big duffel coat and his hat and his little splodge of black on his nose it was ever so sweet you must see the most picture postcard yeah bulmer family midlands (laughs) type middle english (laughs) i don't have all the words i need the boy from the snowman and paddington Right, we have a comic here. Oh yeah, we have a comic. But we haven't actually asked Cat the customary yes, question. Yes, the customary mm. question. Which is, how did you come to Sonic the Comic? By this podcast. Yeah! Unbelievably. I never really read Sonic the Comic as a kid. We had a master system in the house, oh. and we had two games for it. One of them, of course, was Alex Kid, which Gosh. came on the master yep. system, and you couldn't save, which meant that the only way we could ever actually get anywhere was if my dad completed stuff for us so we had to get in to do some of the work for us the other game that we had was mickey mouse and the castle of illusion oh a good one i just completed playing it last night (laughs) on the mega drive mini just played it it is on the mega drive mini i maintain that actually the better version is the master system version now the reason for this is because the color palette is actually much brighter Mm -hmm. and i think the music's a little bit better so sonic for me was it was a cartoon on the telly sometimes it was going around to my friend's house and sometimes playing sonic one when we had nothing else to do and it was was my husband making money from playing Sonic 2 <laughs> blindfolded with his feet. Uh, he, he knows Sonic very, very well, and he kind of introduced me to the games and subsequently to the podcast. Hooray! We should probably mention that yes. your husband, Guy, has been on the show before. Previous guest. We had him on TV. back in issue number 11. 11, yeah. yes. Huh. God, that is, a, that is a long time. That it is. A full year ago now. Yeah. So you've been listening along with this podcast. Have you been reading the comic along too or just relying I on us? I haven't, would you believe? Uh, I've been 
just listening to the podcast. So my response to this is going to be like a kind of cargo cult pub reckon of what a Sonic the comic actually is. <laughs> I'm coming to the artwork fresh. I'm really excited. <laughs> I have, as I said, I've got like, I feel like I know these characters, but they're through the lens of what you guys have been saying about it. It's very heartening that this is listenable without reading along with the comic. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and also listenable, yeah, to people who didn't read the comic. I sometimes yeah. wonder what we must sound like I to know. people who weren't there at the time, but I think people who were alive at the time appreciate the, the window back to them <laughs> that we Provide. I think that's it, actually. Sorry, could you tell Guy to stop whatever that is, please? Guy? <laughs> Sounded like he knocked over a stack of CDs in the background. <laughs> what do you want from me? He's doing the broomsticks bit from Spider-Man 2. He's making a face. Sorry, look. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, really enjoy listening to the podcast, I think, primarily because it takes me back to that time when things were a little bit simpler. And also, what is quite fun is I feel like it's a little bit of a window into a world that I didn't really feel like I had access to. Are we allowed to ask? Well, because I know I know some of why you weren't allowed access to some of this stuff. Are we allowed to talk about that? Oh, yeah, we're absolutely allowed to talk about that. I only <laughs> mentioned it very briefly. Um, So I came to a lot of pop culture much, much later in life because like a lot of children, um, I was brought up in quite a strict religious household, which meant that we weren't allowed these kinds of things. So as an adult, I massively overcompensated and now we have <laughs> shelves and shelves of Amiibos and games. And uh, every Halloween I go absolutely mad for it so yeah it's been really fun kind of looking back on it and thinking oh hang on a minute what was i doing that week oh yeah, yeah i remember that's what was on the telly that's what i was doing it's uh, a oh, right. really nice little bit of nostalgia in a year when my goodness we need it while we were enjoying big breakfast you were on songs of praise yeah we weren't allowed <laughs> big breakfast in the house no but to be honest though that wasn't anything to do with you know religious reasons that was just because mum thought it was common sure right <laughs> 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 Same reason we weren't allowed to watch ITV. Right then, we've got a good cover here. It's a Richard yes. Elson cover. Sonic and Knuckles, tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really made a meal of that. Well done. Delicious. How many <laughs> syllables can you fit in the word up? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine this. Knuckles, wide-footed stance, doing a big punch of his fist up towards the camera the other one way behind him big big gritted teeth his little dreads flapping around everywhere with the action of it and behind him sort of you know coming out the other way is sonic it's the sort of pose you'd expect of sonic and shadow in later days he's there with his fist up as well they're both doing a kind of fighting stance behind each other and it's a richard elson and it's a good one i mean it's taken this long for knuckles to get the cover but he's finally had two back-to-back covers they've both been elson ones they've both been pretty iconic images absolute bangers and this one this is abby's old copy of the comic and it's Mm. very i don't know if you two can see this but it's if i turn it that way no, you were. It's very flappy. Oh, yes, it. Can you see how crinkled and creased it is? I think this one yeah. got red in the bath. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it looks like a bit of water damage there. Possibly even dropped in the bath. I love this comic cover. It's great. I absolutely love this cover. I think it's brilliant. It's so dynamic. I love the way that he's kind of just moved the space around. Yeah. It feels really exciting. It feels like you're right in the middle of the action with Knuckles and Sonic. Yeah. The only concession to the layout is that uh, it's all weighted away from the bottom left-hand corner because, of course, we would have another free set of stickers there Mm. this issue. Again, I don't have them on my copy, so I can't tell you what they are. We know from last issue that one of them was the winking Sonic face. It's a Sonic secret. Yes, which we're going to see again in the... Control Zone! No, 
You were definitely onto something there an issue or two ago when you were talking about the font size Look at increasing. the size of it! Yeah, it's huge! It's ridiculous. I think it's just because they don't have much to say. I don't think yeah. it's because there's been some kind of mandate to increase the readability of it. I think they just don't have the words to fill the space. This is like when you have an essay to write and your teacher has <laughs> foolishly... <laughs> giving you a page limit instead of a word limit. Yeah. Uh, so you, you significantly increase the size of your handwriting and get some really good ink splodges in there just for good measure so it looks like you've done more work than you actually have. Oh yeah, get some scribbled out or crossed out words Yeah, fill the space. You've obviously really carefully tipexed it and yeah. then you kind of start the new word about halfway over the tipex <laughs> just to, to increase the real estate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they've done. But as with last issue, it does carry across the whole comic yeah, so yeah. your Q zone your reviews your letters page all of it they've got away with murder this one they don't have to say very much at all but what they do have to say is hey boomers stand by for fireworks and monster treats in this spooky issue of STC there's a fiendish looking Halloween graphic zone if you're scared you've only got yourselves to blame that's the one actual concession to Halloween okay, yeah. content in the comic yes. is a dedicated graphic zone and I don't want to get too far ahead of us but it's spectacular <laughs> and there are fireworks in Sonic as Sonic and Knuckles thwart Robotnik's evil plans and even more next issue when Knuckles starts his own Mega STC series. Oh, yes, please. Oh. Following directly on from the end of this one. Yeah, they knew Knuckles was big news. There was no letting yeah. go of the character at this point. <laughs> and then Chris, I don't know if I edited this out or not, but Chris predicted that we were going to have two bumper-sized Christmas issues back-to-back, -back, and they tell us that next. Yes, monster-sized issues coming your way in time for Christmas. All your regular favourites, plus some Fabo surprises. Fabo. Stay tuned. Not a word we were saying anymore. I never heard a child say Fabo, except when they were imitating... The this Bino sort of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dave, you strike me as the sort of child who might have earnestly said Fabo at some point. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. You forget yourself. <laughs> yes, I probably did. <laughs> Wizard! Brill! Fabo! <laughs> you know, stuff well, like I that. would have definitely said Fabo, but that would have been because I was trying to imitate this. You know, I would have seen this and go, oh, that is what we say. All right. Fabo. We shifted on to radical and tubular yeah. and such we were yeah. well into the 90s at this point we had been we had been successfully turtleized by this point back to this issue tails comes at the end of his latest adventure don't worry fox fans he'll be back okay have a fearsome halloween and a safe bonfire night which leads us on to the cool or fool feature in the middle strip possibly the single least interesting thing that's ever been in the control oh, zone they had to shoehorn this in didn't yeah. they? certainly the least cool it's yeah. yeah, it is a totally played straight, no no funny jargon even in there. No. Feels it's government a, mandated. Yeah, yes. it's the fireworks code, how to safely store and, and use fireworks. And that's yep. it's literally all it is. Cool or fool. And there's a little picture of Sonic, the winky face from the sticker on the cover at the bottom going, Be cool, not a fool. That's a very, very Jaleel White Sonic sort of thing. The effect of this picture of Sonic saying, be cool, not a fool, has precisely the opposite to what it's intended. It just makes <laughs> me want to go out, buy a box of fireworks, stuff them all down my trousers and run around the neighbourhood in circles, honestly. <laughs> There's something about the wink. It's, 
is very yeah you know yeah yeah the fireworks code am i right kids yeah i think maybe it's just like there's a little bit of an air of like you know when adults put on a kind of now then children we're all going to be very sensible about this aren't we and you an assembly yeah it's like got an assembly feel to it where you've got to sit there and listen to a lecture but no one really cares you know the only thing you've got to well Actually, no. You've got to be really careful around fireworks. But the most important yeah, thing, really as do, anyone yeah. knows, is that when you've got a sparkler, you've got to hold it at arm's length and you've got to say, yeah. arm's length, arm's length, arm's length, over and over, <laughs> over again until your sparkler's gone out and that's it. That's the only thing you need to know about fireworks. The rest of it, just leave it to the professional. No, there's one more thing, which is that if there's a firework on the ground, you mustn't go and pick it up no. because if you do, it'll cut to a little bit later and your nan or someone is saying like, Oh, how did she do that? Well, it was yesterday evening. We had just a few fireworks for the kids. I thought we were ever so careful, but there's always something you forget to tell them. When the sparkler's finished, back she goes and tries to pick it up. It may look cool, but it's still red hot, isn't it? And you take your hand from behind your back and it's got a big bandage mitten on and you look sad. Make sure your child doesn't start November the 6th like this, or worse. So you want to watch out for that. I, I have a, an objection to the first one, though. Number one, keep fireworks in a closed box. Not enough information. When you say a closed box, the first thing I'm picturing is a cardboard box. That's not so good enough. Bring me in a biscuit tin. Put them in a tin box. Tip biscuit yeah. tin. That's where you got to yeah. keep them, yeah. I guess. Uh, no, no, to be honest, no. I was just imagining the sort of box fireworks would come in. I wasn't imagining a special dedicated... Well, I, I guess I don't know what kind of box fireworks come in. I've never bought any. It's cardboard box, no. I like fireworks, but I don't like non-professional ones. I don't like loud bangs. A bit of a wet yeah. hen. Uh, well, you see, around our house, we were both kids and my brother was even younger than me, so we didn't have any bang ones. We just had, you know, what Roman candles and... Yeah, mm-hmm. the traffic lights. Traffic lights, yeah, where yeah. They, they just fizzle in different colours. And a sparkler at arm's length. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we loved sparklers around our way. But one time, one mm. time we did try and do some fireworks in the garden it can't have been very impressive because the only overriding memory of it i have is one that didn't go off and how i was absolutely adamant that we had to go and get some water to splash on it before it would be safe to return to it (laughs) i mean you weren't wrong yeah i know i wasn't but that does does speak to the kind of wet blanket i was no no i I, I think that's good i have a memory of going around to my aunt and uncle's house for some fireworks um the house was like just halfway up the side of a hill i grew up in yorkshire so everything's hills Mm. there's no flat land at all unless you go to york and there's like maybe a square meter of flat and it's cobbled just to make sure you trip over even there yeah yeah (laughs) Um, my uncle let off a firework. We thought it was going to go all right. It was a rocket. And then it went all the way down the hill and exploded right in front of a car that was travelling down the road. Oh, uh, yeah, mm. no, it was terrifying. Obviously, the kids, we thought this was hilarious. But in retrospect, actually mm, thinking mm. about it as a grown-up, that's terrifying. Yeah. Don't set off fireworks at home. Don't f- with fireworks, Just don't kids. do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Well, yeah. we had our setup very, very safe. Dad did all the lighting of fireworks. So on, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't until I was like... 12 at the youngest that I was allowed to even go and light one but also sparklers it still jitters me fritters even to this day when I hear mm. about people just holding sparklers with us you had a big glove on you know the big padded sort that had a yeah. cartoon character on the palm or the back or whatever it was yeah and a potato is it stuck in a potato it's stuck in a potato <laughs> oh you can write your name with you can it write your name with and it and then once you've written your name with it you've got to choose because you can't you can bend the sparkler Sorry? And then you can wang it round in a circle. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, right. So, But you've got to choose what you want to do with your sparkler. That's terrifying. Are you going to draw pictures and write your name? Or are you going to put a little kind of bend in the handle bit? 
obviously wearing a glove at arm's length, arm's length, arm's length, and then you wag it around in a circle. Well, that, well, that, then that's the answer. You do that. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. That's much better than writing your name, but that's terrifying. Goodness me. Don't do that, kids. Let's read some Sonic instead. Oh. The Sega Charts. The Sega Charts. I just wanted to point out that we have a straight flush of Sonic 1, 2, and 3 mm. in the correct order, although not, to my mind, in the correct charts order, because they're 8, 9, and 10, with Sonic 3 at the bottom. But we have two games beating FIFA this time. Super Street Fighter 2 and Jungle Book. Both of them. Proper games. You notice uh, still no Sonic and Knuckles, either. Oh, Hasn't yes. hit the charts yet, so just goes, just goes to show... The, the, the charts can't have been using the most no. up-to-date charts at the time of print, can they? It can't be that... Sonic games just weren't very popular anymore. No, 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 absolutely not. Sonic and Knuckles will absolutely appear number one on this chart within the next couple of issues. You marked me. I swear to God, I'll burn this mother down if it doesn't happen. Robotnik's Revenge, part two. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. Knuckles arrives to help Sonic and Co. take on Robotnik. The two heroes' powers combine, proving enough to destroy the evil doctor's squeeze-tag machine. Robotnik escapes, leaving his Badnik army to finish the fight, but with Knuckles at their side, the Freedom Fighters are able to claim victory over seemingly impossible odds. Knuckles returns to the floating island, but with the location of the Freedom Fighters' secret base now exposed, our heroes have no choice but to go on the run, disguised as Bob Beaky's travelling circus. This is still great. It's still good, isn't it? What <laughs> yeah. a good comic. This really has my... been a tremendous two-parter. Oh, really, my only criticism here is that Richard is decisively colouring Knuckles the wrong colour now. This is fully He's... red. Yeah, well, that's... Get used to it, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's not actually seen the comic before, yeah. there's a couple of things that stood out to me. Number one is, oh my god, this artwork is beautiful. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Like every, what did we tell you? Every single page is just so perfectly laid out. It's easy to follow. Uh, the yeah. the dynamism in it, it just looks me Like, yeah. on the first page, Sonic is either doing an amazing flying kick towards Robotnik, who just looks like he's got his expression on his face which I love he's horrible <laughs> or yeah. he's in the middle of a kind of caper but I think it's probably the former <laughs> he's just having a little jig yeah he's just having a little jig so yeah that's the first thing I just wanted to say is, as I say someone is kind of coming to this really fresh and the second one is this guy who's a pig that's Porker Lewis right that's yeah, probably he's talking yes. about him who's the rabbit dude that's Johnny Lightfoot that's Johnny Lightfoot right he's the rabbit dude they're both wearing incredibly cool clothes right they've got jeans they've got <laughs> yeah. t-shirts yeah Sonic's not wearing anything. No. He's only got gloves and shoes on. Yeah, it's a funny artifact of about 15, 16 issues ago, the comic thought that it had to take inspiration or, or be of a piece with the Sonic cartoon that was on TV. So they introduced right. this whole Freedom Fighters idea. They revamped Robotnik to look like he did on television. And they... Oh, when he, when he burst out of the egg. Yeah. yeah. Never saw it, heard about it. <laughs> yeah. It's time for you to go back and read this stuff, Kat. I think you'll like I, it. I'm going to have to so. do it, yeah. And they uh, dressed Porker and Johnny up in clothes based not on either of the two cartoons that were on television, but on a piece of preliminary art for an earlier version of the show that they had published themselves in mm. issue number 12 that long ago. So it's a weird conglomeration of ideas. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, the end result is Sonic is tremendously naked. As is Knuckles, as, as is, is Tails, yep. all their friends fully dressed. Yeah. 
Fair dues, fair play to them. Maybe it's a status thing. Maybe on Mobius, if you're the best hero, you get to be nude. <laughs> yeah, that's now headcanon. I think we should implement that here. <laughs> Victory should be naked. I was a little surprised, because I didn't quite remember, I was a little surprised to see just how quickly Knuckles um, brought himself upon the scene in this one. After yeah. our big... Uh, cliffhanger twist ending yeah. on last strip where he had Grimer he tied him up and forced Grimer to tell Robotnik that he was dead and it doesn't seem ultimately to have been advantageous in any way because <laughs> he just smashes through the roof in plain sight of Robotnik I suppose what it does do is it puts Robotnik at ease that he isn't going to have any other threats to worry about whatsoever you know so he's just attacking the base yeah but it's also only been like five minutes <laughs> So there's a lot of stuff that happens one after the other in this comic. And just to go through it quickly, like page one is Robotnik smashing his way through the wall and the squeeze tag machine, I think we've already established this last yeah. episode, is the last boss from Sonic 3 being used here because of its two big hands, which of course in the boss are so it can grab Sonic and hurt him. In this it's like, no, he's going to smash his way through walls, through the ground. He's going to rip up the base. He's going to attack it. We get a full one page of just Sonic and Knuckles teaming up to beat it so you have knuckles punches the glass that shatters and that weakens it so sonic goes through that out the back and shears the entire top off the whole thing takes the lid off the egg yeah yeah that's exactly what it looks like isn't it like the lid coming off the egg egg. yeah Yeah. and they're just backsassing each other the whole way through it as well you know knuckles smashes the glass in and johnny goes look sonic knuckles has done it he's broken the glass only because i weakened it Use your spin attack, says Knuckles. I don't need you to tell me how to fight. Looks like all you need all the help you can get. And then Knuckles burrows away out for them so that they have room to fight. I'll soon get us out of here. What's the matter? Scared of a fight? And Knuckles goes, what is with you? (laughs) Knuckles is just like, what is this affected personality that nobody else ever calls you out on? God, I didn't even realise that before. But yeah, that is a role Knuckles can play here. He is calling Sonic on his bullshit. Everyone else is just like... Whatever, it's yeah. just easier to roll with it. From you know, we yeah. can get that from time to time. You get that a little bit in the closing panels of mm. this comic, where Johnny Lightfoot is saying, "Sonic, for goodness' sake, don't start that again." Yeah, and he's almost like he's kind of been emboldened yeah. by Knuckles yeah. to start calling him out. I feel like it's more just complete exasperation than emboldenedness. <laughs> yeah, Knuckles says, um, "Sonic wants to know." Um, why he's come to help fight because he has no interest in fighting Robotnik but Knuckles just feels like he's duty bound to help them this one time because it's his fault Robotnik knows where the base is and he says hey since when did this hedgehog ever need anybody's help never that's when and then Johnny's like oh for god's sake man just let it just let it be so after they've escaped from the base you then get a full page of everybody fighting badniks and then a tank loaded with loads of trooper badniks coming along and the tank has got like robotnik's face on the front as like a figurehead (laughs) i love the face on the front right really huge tire tracks huge cloud of vapor covered in these troopers They're, they're like proper like bulging off it clinging onto the edges and these guys are totally unnecessary to the plot like yeah. we already have an army when we say there's a badnik army it's an army of recognizable sonic game badniks yeah. we got grounders and caterkillers or maybe that's the 
one from Sonic 2. It's purple like a Caterkiller, but it yeah. looks like it's got the claw mouth of whatever the ones from Sonic 2 from the Mystic Cave are. Yeah. And the, the drill bots from Sonic 3 as well. Forget their names as well. But then, yeah, just like a, a tank full of trooper badniks rock up as well just to keep the drama going. I absolutely loved this. The way it's drawn, it's almost like a sort of slight fisheye effect. So you've got a real sense of it coming straight for you. Yeah. It's a classic traditional tank full of goons. Yeah. And I love it. Look at that one trooper in the back. Two fists raised. Yes! Like, lads, 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 lads. <laughs> yeah. And if a whole page of everybody fighting badniks, especially, you know, Sonic and Knuckles in their different oh, ways. Yeah. Sonic ricocheting off yeah. the badniks. Only one dude I know can do this. He's cool, he's blue, and you're looking at him. And then Knuckles is like, I may not be as flash as you, but I have my own methods. And he does that shockwave punch yeah. that we saw him punch do a couple of issues ago. takes out yeah. a crowd of them. And then there's... Johnny whamming a few of them with his big stick. and Oh, and Porker during this is scrambling around because he's clutching the ring that's got Kintamore on it. And Kintamore is, like, still sentient in this ring and goes like, Will somebody please tell me what's going on? I can't see a thing now you have my data dumped on this thing. And then, if all of that weren't enough, then we get a full-page picture of Sonic and Knuckles side-by-side punching badniks to bits. The bits are flying in different directions. There's screws and springs everywhere. Their eyes are going spinny, all of that. And even in that picture, there's still room for Johnny hitting a trooper badnik with his stick, Porker in the background with his ring, Robotnik in the sky, zipping left and right, getting away in his egomatic. It's a whole page. If this didn't have the speech bubbles in there, and actually even with the speech bubbles, I'd have this on the wall. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. just gonna... It's, it's yeah. a beautiful bit of artwork. I don't think they ever made a poster out of this, but no. they could have. Absolutely, yeah. The kind of lines of Robotnik, this funny little kind of machine, that got going brrr, the little lines yeah. around it, and he's looking absolutely furious, his horrible ginger <laughs> moustaches flailing in the wind. <laughs> it's shown the zigzagging movement of him kind of zipping across the sky and it just leads the eye down so beautifully and that's reflected yeah. in the the movement swing of sonic who's punching a badnik on the right and knuckles who's punching a badnik on the left and it, it's just perfect the more i look at this actually the more i would love to have this on the wall sonic the comic did not have a lot of real estate to give over to full page splashes no, that often happened. so they didn't mess about when they did boomers Write in if you are the boomer who has the original artwork for this and is it on your wall? Because a lot of the art, I think between them, the STC artists managed to clear their way through a lot of their back stock over the uh, the sort of years between about 2010 and now. You know, they pretty much cleared through it. So probably this page is spoken for. Does make me wonder now if they'd held on for another decade. When mm. you look at the prices that issues of STC are going for on eBay now this, this past month, <laughs> there have been several cases of it at this point. And of course, I put that all down to this podcast. Of course! That's entirely <laughs> Raising us. the profile, changing yeah. the conversation. Does make you wonder what a Richard Elson page would go for now. <laughs> and then you've still got time for a whole page of like yeah. conversation, essentially. The aftermath of that, the steam still going up, everyone getting their breath back, discussing what we'll do next. Knuckles takes an egomatic and goes flying off in that. So he's got some of them now on Floating Island to help him out with. And then another whole page. Like yeah, this. whenever I got to the page after the fight with <laughs> Knuckles standing in the smoke, I was like, ah final page then because yeah. I forgot we have to have a little epilogue to show what our heroes do next now, because I remembered yeah. this outcome but Dave you were fretting last issue because you didn't remember what happened no, next where I the didn't. story went no. and this is where we find out God, it comes as such a surprise to me because I just remember Sonic's base and yeah here they are now in disguise as Bob Beaky's travelling circus and what we mean by that is they have a caravan 
they've all got actual individual disguises on. So we've already, in a previous issue, established Bob Beaky, the sort of mm. penguin character that God, Sonic... What are we going back to there? Issue... 10 isn't it and we've seen him once or twice since then but i don't think we've like seen him in use since what girl trouble like 21 yeah that's right so he's we only see him through the window of the caravan here he's completely covered up no sonic is showing big coat beak sunglasses scarf top hat with stars on it because he's the i guess the ringleader of the circus we can see tails dressed as a clown which is a little little cheerful tails face but with a red nose and a big yellow clown wig on and like a rough you know is that a rough the neck rough yeah Um, johnny lightfoot basically the same except he's got a massive mustache and eyebrows on Yeah, I don't know what Johnny's supposed to be, is it? He's just got a big fake moustache. Well, we can only see his head poking over, so we don't Conjures want to up the that. image of the the Italian human cannonball type, yes. the flying light footier or something. You know? Or, a, or a, a trapeze guy. A strong man. What he looks like is, I believe the guy's name was Humphrey, the cut-out <gasps> acrobat from uh, the tent stop Play in Playbus. Yeah, on a Friday. <laughs> it was a Friday. Yeah. The tent stop on the yeah. right. You know right. what, though? I've just noticed if you just... Well, for Amy seems to be like a fortune teller or yes. a magician or something. Some collection of vaguely racist oriental stereotypes yes, with yes. a big swami turban on there and everything. But actually, if you just look past her hand with the wand in, yeah. is that spattering of gold? Is that... Ooh. If that's Johnny's body, is he supposed to be wearing like a strongman that leopard print? That's a strongman leopard print. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it is. He's big, he's strong man. Oh, it's ironic because he's so skinny. Yeah, right? <laughs> also interesting that Amy is being the fortune teller when various continuities have her as a tarot reader, don't they? Well, I don't know if she is a fortune teller. She's holding a magic wand, so it's probably more of a magic act, but there are, yeah. you know, assorted tropes associated with the, that turban that she's wearing. She's giving yeah. off mystic vibes, isn't she? Mystic, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Porker's at the front driving the cart, which I've just noticed... You know, it's a cart, as in a horse and cart, but he's just got all these electronic contraptions. It's just... Yeah, there's no horse. There's no horse. <laughs> probably for the best. And uh, and he's just got a bandana on his head. That's his whole I mean, disguise. there probably aren't horses. No, that's are what there? I was thinking. On oh. Mobius. Except, of course, Chris, Trojan the horse. Trojan the horse, yes. The character from our Patreon exclusive. That we have TM, TM, TM. That we have... <laughs> Just invented over on Patreon. He would be standing on a planet miles above Mobius and then Metallics would attack. The elite army of Mecha Sonics. Eat sure about this continuous use of the word mecha day yeah what i'm wondering what you're doing with the mecha sonics there obviously you've got online and you've heard that word thrown exactly about. i think we've had a little peep in 15 year old day of psyche when he just thought mecha sonic was a cooler name than yep. metal sonic yep that's exactly what it is plus there's more where that came from we will find out as we go on that this is written within mind americans reading it oh no i was sort of hoping to use it to like spread the stc knowledge a bit further out i made some concessions so you'll see anyway the trojan horse <laughs> yeah exactly trojan the horse <laughs> does that character exist has anyone ever tm 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 <laughs> Is it the Goofy and Pluto dilemma here? Well, I mean, it would be, except that I can't think of any instances no. of it no. in no. Sonic the Comic. It's... Like, Archie had Mutsky. And, I mean, well, the whole, obviously the whole thing Archie did was that it made all the animal friends from the games actually be animals, rather than turning them into anthropomorphic characters the way STC and British lore did. So uh, I believe Archie calls those kinds of creatures Mobinis instead of Mobians. I, I've got to say, the more I think about it, I can't think of a non-British way that those animals should be talking. 
What do you mean? Those little animals, your little Johnny Lightfoots and so on, that just come out of the robots. They need to be. They need to be British in some way. I don't. I don't really. I guess I'm. They need to be Martin Adamsy. I do enjoy this final line we close out on, though, but I don't know who actually speaks it. No. Someone, because the final shot is just of the caravan, towing the biplane behind it, disappearing over the horizon, and someone says, because the speech bubble just emanates from within it, it seems like kind of a Sonic thing to say, so I think Sonic probably says it, but I don't know which is worse, being forced out of our secret base or having to look at Johnny wearing that ridiculous mustache. And then Johnny goes, what? I think it makes me look distinguished. Do you know what, Chris? Only at this moment have I remembered I have the script for this one, and I haven't oh, so consulted... So you can, in fact, look up who said it. This is interesting. Panel 5. Distance shot of the caravan moving away from us. It might make a nice picture if they're heading towards a mountainous area. And sure enough, they are, and they it did. Indeed. And they're just balloon. They're both just balloon. Ah, it doesn't even credit the speaker. No. So that could be anyone. Could be anybody. I could imagine... I mean, that's Sonic. It's not Porker, and it's not Tails, but I could imagine Amy saying it. Amy could say yeah. it, yes. Amy does like to bust the boys' chops sometimes. She does. I think it's Sonic. We'll never know. It's probably Sonic, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Sonic No More. What? I mean, it sounds like... I mean, after the end of that issue, and you read that tag, and you think, Jesus, what could possibly happen next? I yeah. happen to remember what the next story uh, is. Yes, I've just remembered what the next one is. I don't recall it being a favourite. Yeah, but that's because it's one that directly fries in the face of your understanding of Sonic and how his powers work. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, we shall see. We'll talk about that next time. Yes, that'll be egg on my face next issue. This is gorgeous. As I say, I've never seen these comics before. I absolutely love this artwork. It fills up the page. It doesn't look empty like sometimes mm. kids' comics can. The colouring is beautiful. The line work is absolutely gorgeous. And it's fun. It's so much fun. I can see how this would have been mad exciting. <laughs> As a kid in 1994, I kind of wish I'd have had an opportunity to read it then, to be honest. Yeah. There is no better era of Sonic the comic to showcase the artistic ability of Richard Elson and to just be able to come in on it, never having seen it before, and suddenly see what we've been raving about all this time. I feel pretty good. It reminds me, there's something about the look of these that reminds me of countless iterations drawn on like classmates' school books. And when I imagine what Sonic looks like as a cartoon, yeah. this is what he looks mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. to me everything's perfectly just just oh just want to squeeze it oh, <laughs> feel very privileged oh keep reading cat read along with us in future issues oh i will do i've got a whole back catalog to look at now so there we go loads of content in these seven scant pages this has been quite the climax this has been you know this is essentially i think we said it before this two-part story robotnik's revenge is essentially the end of a six-part story that is the air quotes adaptation of sonic 3 and the introduction of its elements into sonic the comic and even that is really still only the halfway point not even maybe a third of the way in sheer issue numbers of the larger real big adaptation yeah. of sonic 3 and knuckles that will carry us through to the post 50 issues even just at the time <laughs> like we knew we had read this is the next big change in the status quo following the last big one we had with the introduction of Amy back in issue yeah. 21 and the changeover of Robotnik Knuckles is in the game and our heroes are out of their base everything has changed now Let's
We have two games in the review zone this time. Can't fit any more in because the font is so big. Yeah, one per page. We've got Drop Zone for the Game Gear and SS Lucifer for the Mega Drive. Now, Drop Zone, the very first thing it says is created by Archer McLean. Man, they really He's want back. me to believe this was a name I should know. Like, I know it yeah. now from reading from STC. This, yeah, from this. I, I know, and now and then I'll look up Archer McLean and try and figure out who he is. And like... I'm not... Okay, I'm not saying a word against Archer McLean. Please understand. Not in the slightest, no. This isn't me making fun. He obviously is accomplished. But I've never played any of his games. And, like, there's only sort of two or three of them that have his name attached to them. And I've never heard of any of them. When I was reading this, I thought, Archer McLean, yeah, that sounds like a name I ought to know. (laughs) And so I looked it up on, like, Wikipedia or something. And sure enough, I think it's, like, the first line of Wikipedia says, Archer McLean. Known for creating Drop Zone. Oh, come on. Yeah. Give me more than this. <laughs> I do know a little bit about this, which is that Drop Zone is a, it's an old Atari game. And f- to be fair, right, it looks really good. Mm. You're a little spaceman in a little spacesuit and you, you've you got a rocket pack and you're basically zipping back and forth and there are monsters will come on the screen, some of them carrying something. And it's ambiguous graphics, but they're carrying something. You shoot them, grab the thing, I think it's meant to be a person, and take it to a base. Yeah, it says in the review here it's a person. Yeah, and you put it there. That's what Drop Zone is. But what it isn't, the opening line, Drop Zone, created by Archer McLean, was one of the earliest video games. I I, I just dispute this. Drop yeah. Zone came out in 1984, as far as I can tell, and was sort of a retread of a 1981 game which itself wasn't made in the 70s, which was when the first video games were made. Mm, so, yeah, like, yeah. like again, it sounds like I'm trying to, like, do down Archer's no, achievements. Yeah. I don't mean that. It's not even really one of the first home computer games. No. Either, no. Nope. It just sounds, honestly, this is the only reason I'm catching on this. The amount of times we've heard about how awesome Archer McLean, how famous and powerful Archer McLean is, it does sound like they've been paid. By Archer McLean. Well, I mean, these two reviews are both by Dave Gibbon. So, you know, this, this, someone who knows their onion, sure. But, I mean, my eye is drawn to, we have the actual cover of the game box in this review, which is something we don't normally have. And... I mean, written across the top of the box yep. is from the author of five number one bestsellers, Archer McLean's, Archer Drop, McLean's Zone. Drop Zone. So this was a line the company was taking with old Archer. So I don't know. I mean, this is about the most yeah. interesting discussion to be wrung out of this review zone. Because, Jesus Christ, David <laughs> Gibbon. These are the... Do you remember a couple of years ago when we were in the thrall of gates of a gamery variety... And people were talking about ethics in games journalism and objective reviews. (laughs) We found it. We found the objective review. Somebody took a games review and edited it to be what they thought meant an objective games review was. And Jesus, that's what these are. They are just the driest list of descriptions of what you do in the game. There is no review here. To give the listeners an idea of what we're talking about, added protection against the aliens is supplied by a few seconds of cloak power or force shield. Once activated, a warning signal is sounded three seconds before it runs out. A bonus life, one strata bomb, and seven seconds of cloak power are awarded after every 10,000 points scored. It's on like that. It's just... it's. It sounds like a safety announcement yeah yeah yes it's our here 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 yeah yeah in the event of the ship's horn sounding seven times your master stations are 
Actually, thinking about you know gaming back then and just looking at the prices on this, twenty seven ninety nine. That's a lot of money back in nineteen ninety four. You're only going to buy a couple of games a year. I actually kind of want to know what the game is all about. You can't get that information in those days from the internet. I can see how a description of what the game actually is would be really useful if you, you look at the picture and think, oh, this is something I might be really into. Having said that, I do completely agree that he has described the game in possibly the most the dullest way possible. Yeah, I, I never looked at it that way. You're not wrong. But there is a way to do it and uh, yeah. make it interesting. And, and to volunteer an opinion on the game itself, in addition to all of that, which... Dave has lost the ability to do here. Yeah, that's... If you were going to read a list of the features of a game, you'd want some indication of if that is fun or not. Or, like, it's good because... or like, Rather than just, here is what happens, you know. If you press the right button, then the plumber moves to the right. Yeah. What you want to know is, it's really fun and it's addictive and you're jumping over things and going, oh, and just, oh, your, your feet leaving the floor with excitement as you just skid around that. He squeezes it into the last paragraph. The graphics in Drop Zone are rather primitive. However, a huge plus is its immediate playability. Trouble is, a few spare minutes of gameplay can turn into hours. And that's the only actual yeah. review element of this review. I looked at a video of this, and it is frenetic. Okay, look at the screenshot that they've given us. Only one. And you can see on that screenshot, there's your little spacesuit man. There's some obvious, like, greebly monsters dotted around the place. There's some kind of spaceship thing zapping the ground. You obviously need to watch out for that. But can you see those stars in the background? Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced they're stars. Oh. The bit that I saw was a screen on which... A load of those stars were just spraying around everywhere, like all over the screen as if there'd been an explosion and these were just like fountaining out. And if you touch one, you die. Oh, wow. There's like this incredible bullet hell. Mm. It looks too hard for me to play. No thanks. That's not it does say in it. the graves section of the Fast Facts box, the graves are fast and frantic gameplay, which is sure. not phrased in such a way to make it sound bad, but it's that also not some... That sounds appealing Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that sounds really appealing. Can I just say here as well, um, in the raves and graves, in the raves section, he says, a classic shooter mob from the legendary Archer McLean. We're back to Archer McLean again. Like You've told me nothing. You've told me nothing. the point of the game that he exists. Yeah. It's this circular review. Is Archer McLean David Gibbons' friend? <laughs> well, no, I mean, the cover of the game says that, he, you know, they specifically single him out as... I know, but, okay, here's what Wikipedia says Archer McLean did, right? I mean, you can't expect Wikipedia to have a proper accounting of the ins and outs of the UK video game industry, Dave, because as we all know, that didn't happen. True, but it's got a complete gameography for him, and it goes like this. Drop Zone, International Karate, Jimmy White's Whirlwind Snooker. Everything else is sequels to International Karate or Drop Zone or Jimmy White's Whirlwind Snooker. That's who this guy is. I don't like his game anyway. I don't, I'm judging a book by the cover here. <laughs> Can I just say, I don't. the cover of this is absolutely appalling, even by early 90s mm. video game standards. We've got your traditional silver-suited spaceman with a massive gun looking out heroically into space. There's a clear <laughs> rip-off of an alien's alien yeah. in the background that's threatening a woman who looks a little bit like a kind of late 1980s page three girl who's yep. been covered up in spider web and she's screaming oh please you can just imagine her oh help yeah. me somebody help me flash yeah this is quite clearly coded as not for girls go away i would instantly look at this and go nah <laughs> i mean also it was on the game gear so nobody cared anyway <laughs> and then ss lucifer <laughs> let me cover this as quickly as possible 
It's an Amiga game. In fact, it says in the opening, join in if you know the words, everyone. Known previously as Sink or Swim, SS Lucifer was first released on, on the Amiga! Amiga. <laughs> <laughs> um, T-shirts, we need T-shirts. Yeah. Did you see Guy's tweet about the badge this morning? The most niche pin badge you could possibly own would be round and purple and have, no, Kevin is not a stupid name for a bat, written on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, can we get that? Oh, made? man, if you saw that, that'd be like a little secret community yeah. if you saw that and got it out in public. That could be your call and response to find out mm. if someone's a Sonic Panic podcast <laughs> yeah. listener. You could say, what's the best name for a bat? And the response is always Kevin, naturally. <laughs> Kevin the bat, that is. <laughs> okay, this game, SS Lucifer, looks quite interesting. Imagine a big cartoony, big goggle-eyed thing where you're looking at a boat you're a man walking about on a boat there are passengers walking around on the boat they are going to walk into danger like lemmings do in the game lemmings unless you you know set up conveyor belts to send them in certain directions and just clear out the danger there you go that's what that game is the end and again it's just walking through the mechanics of the game with the only opinion dropped at the end too easy for the more experienced gamer no point in playing again after completion says the grave section that's it they fought across time and space. Did they fight? Now they're coming round to your place, which is a really tortured rhyme. Oh my god, I didn't even realise it was a rhyme. Mm. That's a bit threatening, isn't it? Did they fight? Only there's a picture here of Wolverine and Magneto and... They're going in for a kiss, surely. They look like they're about to kiss, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're a bit yeah. close together, Very aren't they? Very smoochy-looking panel, that. Yeah, this is an advert for the new um, X-Men Blackbird Jet toy. Yeah. Because the X-Men were hitting the TV screens right around now, and the toys were coming out too. Gotta say, at first it doesn't look interesting to me when I look at the main picture. is just of a, a big featureless black jet thing, kind of a dumpy-looking Thunderbird 2 sort of jet thing with two what are obviously going to be plastic missiles shooting out of it. Mm, mm. And then you see a photo, and sure enough, that's exactly what it is. But then there's another photo, and it turns out it's one of those toys where if you open it and pull up all the hinges and stuff, you get a little play set with three little fellas and a base and stuff. Oh, wow. That looks great. I want one. Well, I don't imagine the figures were sold with it. Ah, uh, that changes it. It, it. it all depends on whether the figures come with it and whether they're really little. Oh, well, the figures don't because this would have been for the, Absolutely. the figures you could already buy. and Completely um, uninterested in that case. This would not have been little. It would have been... Nope. It's not a Mighty Max type thing. Nope. It's a, it's a full-size thing to seat your, your X-Men figures. Followers of Magneto, leader of evil mutants, beware Wolverine and the other X-Men. Not even Wolverine and the X-Men. Yep. Wolverine and the other X-Men. Have arrived and they've brought the awesome Blackbird jet with them. In the air quotes air, it fires <laughs> missiles. The On the air. ground, it tra- well, you know, they got a it's not a flying toy. Oh yeah. On the ground, it transforms into three attack modules. I'll, the cockpit comes I'll stop reading out now because the cockpit comes off to become a land module. Some wheedles, I think, must flip out of it. Yeah. The central body transforms into a command center with defensive capabilities, which is to say, that's what the missile launcher is attached to. It just hinges open and you can see inside. And a glider with a working ejector seat. I was really into this until I realized that it's not tiny. Exactly! Afraid not. This is the thing. Because it completely changes the value of it for me. If this is a playset that comes with three guys, more or less whatever size it is, I want it to be tiny. But even if it's big, Mm. that's fine. If it doesn't come with three guys, it's nothing. It's just a box. It's just a box. It doesn't come with enough functions to be its own thing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 
for these kind of toys that you can kind of dismantle in this way the smaller yeah, they are I'm the looking better it up now. i'm gonna tell you if wolverine came with it or anything like that uh figures sold separately oh Ugh. got all of them not even one not even one oh, but it's a big accessory for your x-men like i don't care with the titans granddad rubbish yeah the times yeah. i had mighty max skull mountain at the same time as this that this came with like 20 little guys larger than, than that a significantly larger amount of class i'm not sure skull mountain was pretty big i had oh. skull mountain too okay i'm just going to chime in for the uh folks who were into more feminine toys when they were kids and say that i had a couple of poly pockets uh-huh. obviously the twin of the mighty max and they mm. were absolutely adorable yeah and that's yeah. what i was thinking here i was thinking is this is this a tiny little toy where everything's self-contained and it fits together really neatly yeah. you can pack it in just perfectly and you can maybe just squeeze it into one of your small bag pockets to take it into the <laughs> playground even though you're not really supposed to but no it's massive i mean Rubbish. i love don't get me wrong i loved mighty max too and i love those little fold-up play sets where everybody goes just yeah. so and then you close it and bits of them come through the shell to make up the full vision yeah that's it, that's it yeah that's it. yeah 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 no love that stuff don't get me wrong but this was a big toy for big boys just <laughs> just a plane doesn't even turn into a robot doesn't do anything. I mean, I grant you, no, know, I mean, <laughs> not now as a toy collector, nor particularly then very much was I ever really interested in vehicles that didn't come with dudes already, where sure. there were, you know, giant accessories for my guys that I had already. The, um, the G.I. Joe, the Action Man, the Action Force toy model, you know. Yeah. On reflection... I think it does have some value and some merit in the fact that it fires missiles in the air, which means that it comes ready built in with a mechanism to annoy your little brother. Eternal Champions! Larson's Revenge, part two, written by Michael Cook, art by John Howard, letters by Tom Frame. Shadow explains to Larson that she was sent to 1927 by the Eternal Champion and instructed to establish a crime syndicate there, but she won't tell Larson why. Hoping to solve the mystery of who hired him to steal from her, Larson insists on tagging along when Shadow goes to meet a rival crime lord, Larson's old boss, Mr. Tagliani. But the meeting turns out to be a setup when the police arrive and apprehend Shadow. This is a mysterious one, isn't it? It's an odd one. I don't know what's going on in this one. I have no memory of how this plays out. Oh, right. Yeah. This is 1994, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at that text at the top. The red, the black and the yellow. Everything's Jurassic Park. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Never thought about that before. Yeah. Oh yeah. That font, the color scheme. So in this one, yeah, it is a bit mysterious. It shakes out that, sure enough, Shadow has indeed set up a crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. They are the biggest bootlegging syndicate in Chicago, mm-hmm. and we don't know why. Like he yeah. says, like, okay, but how does that help with the eternal championing? And she's like, ah, look. You don't need to know. You've, we've, I've been asked not to involve yeah, you specifically, specifically personally. Sent to the time period that he's native to, and yeah. they've said don't involve him. Yeah, and as he points out, like doing that here involves him. Yeah. And there's really no way around it. So what's the big plot? What's the big idea? Then a third party has hired him to steal yeah. secrets from her, a rival crime and presumably. Yeah. And because of this mystery, he decides he's going to tag along when she goes to meet someone in a quarry because that's where yeah. you do these kind of things in the 1920s well it's the cheapest place to film when you're drawing a comic <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that when they're there it's only once they're there he finds out that they're supposed to be meeting with his old boss mr tagliani the man who 
had him, I was going to say tried to have him killed, but did in fact successfully kill him. <laughs> but then, rather than Tagliani turn up, it's the Polis. Then they have a bit of a fight, but then Shadow lets the yeah. Kappas uh, take her. So yeah, what's going on? There really aren't many clues. I thought that when I was reading this. With the previous Sonic comic, I found that really easy to pass. Like, even though I hadn't read the one before, I didn't really know any of these characters, it was really easy for me to understand what was going on. In this one, I can see that they're trying to set up, like, a kind of, you know, dark noir mystery. I just don't get what's going on. What I want it to be is that they're all being hired by the same person, that the Eternal Champion has got Shadow to set up this crime syndicate. The Eternal Champion has hired Larson to attack that crime syndicate... I want it all to be the Eternal Champion and he's setting up something really weird. Mm. And if it comes together in something that coherently comes together and you go, yes, that's perfect, then that'll be great. But if it's yeah. not, then it the, will have been very confusing and I'll be crossed. The payoff will determine yeah. how this all goes in the end. I mean, my instinct was maybe to think that it's Tagliani that's hired Larson to foil up this rival crime boss organization and it just so happens to turn out that this rival crime boss, White Orchid, is an old friend of Larson's. But of course, right, yeah. the mystery at the core of it is that nobody in Chicago is supposed to know Larson is even still alive. Oh, so yeah. to be there to hire him. So, so maybe he was the Eternal Champion. He must I, be I the Eternal Champion. I, I genuinely don't know how this passed. No, me either. That would explain why, right? If the Eternal Champion knows Larson is there, wants to get him to do something, and that something, he knows what he'll do if he doesn't know what's going on. Or something. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's an intriguing mystery. Yeah, but I did quite like this one, because it does feel like a noir mystery, but also with this sort of oh because they're still doing that first person narration bit yeah. from last issue larson the noir pi narrates the adventure type thing so apart from the uh brief flashback to eternal champion stuff the only thing that doesn't fit into that tone is her clothes yeah yeah <laughs> which are very sparse and they call that out i think what's quite interesting here is that what's actually happened is okay so she's dressed if i can describe it in a kind of very very skimpy think share in that music video for turn back time she's got the fishnet stocking she's got a tiny little bikini she's got wait a minute that was after this did share read sonic the mummy <laughs> because they're turning back time to get here yeah i think she might have done she's got a little kind of domino mask on this is sexualized this is really obviously oh, sexualized yeah. she's I got mean, basically yes. like two kind of little tin teacups clamped to her bosoms <laughs> and everyone else around her she's surrounded by men who are all fully clothed wearing long trench yep. coats all the rest of it so what's happened is that the game has depicted her in this way and the artist yep. in turn has depicted her in this way and she's yep. been heavily sexualized and then in turn the script has a man smirkingly tell her you need to cover up yeah yeah maybe you need some local knowledge the first piece is for free you need to cover up lady this is 1927 and they don't call this the windy city for nothing yeah. <laughs> it's a look yeah. on his face as well so what that's doing is two things i'm sorry to get a bit of soapboxy here Do but it. it really annoys me um Number one is it's it's creating a straw man of a woman who's heavily sexualized and then in itself yep. critiquing that. 
And number two is it's normalising for boys and men that it's okay to comment on what a woman's wearing. Absolutely right. And that really annoys me. It struck me a little as being the closest the Eternal Champions comics get to following through on... Dave, do you remember from the Eternal Champions special the profile that they gave Shadow talking about how she was enigmatic and childlike? Oh, yes! uh, Which was... Terrible, terrible crap. And pretty racist in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, they really made it sound like she's going to be a giggly, naive character, but dressed like this. In a deliberate, mysterious, air quotes, oriental way, you know. And this feels like the closest that it ever got to saying she dresses like that and doesn't... doesn't realise... Yeah, that she doesn't... Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. which, when you kind of take a step back and look at it as a piece of fiction written by a scriptwriter and drawn by an artist, is kind of gross. And yet, John Howard is so much more restrained than anything he does with Shadow. No bombs in your face, this issue. (laughs) Than um, Brian Williamson did on the first uh, strip. Yeah, it's an interesting mystery, but seeing how it all manages to unfold, that's the nature of many mystery stories, isn't it? If the resolution isn't going to satisfy, it'll retroactively taint the whole experience of the mystery. So we'll just have to see how it goes. News Sony's Movie Mania. Four films feature in Sony's lineup. Very dry news. Yeah, it is, yeah. Just a bunch of games. I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously (laughs) it is just a bunch of... I mean... But you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, it's sort of like a list of names of games rather than any sort of... Again, we're not... It's difficult to explain because we are being told what some games that are coming up are, but not more like we're on members of the board being informed about what's being released to consumers rather than being given the information we need to know if we want them or not, you know? It's because Gary Payne does not have that information yet. uh, So, first off, it's Sony, who, if you remember, they're going to make some games, and because this was pre-PlayStation, all anyone could think of was like, oh, well, that must mean it'll be to do with movies then. And, And actually, sure enough, it seems like they are. They're bringing out three ninjas kick back, a mix of combat, stealth, and strategy inspired by the, brackets, allegedly hilarious in quote marks, film, of the same name due out this Christmas. Help three... Oh, so it's not even out, and they're ripping the piss already. No. Help three young ninjas to protect their grandfather on his journey to Japan. Baddies such as ninjas, samurai warriors, and sumo wrestlers are out in... F- I looked this up because I've never heard of Three Ninjas Kickback. I had. I've heard of Three Ninjas, but I've not heard of the sequel. Right, so this is interesting. This isn't the sequel to Three Ninjas. Is it not? There are three Three Ninjas movies. Yeah. There's three ninjas... Does that mean there's nine ninjas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then there's some other film, and the premise is that three boys who aren't ninjas have like an uncle or a grandfather or something who happens to be a ninja, and he teaches them ninja one day when they're staying around his house, and they kind of don't want to, and it's funny or something. But, so, they actually filmed two films at the same time, the three ninjas and its sequel. Mm. That sequel was shelved... But another sequel was filmed, and that was Three Ninjas Kick Back, without the original cast, three different ninjas. Oh, right. And then they released the actual sequel to Three Ninjas. And this, I think, is the only one that got a game. So it's it's just a weird way around of doing anything. The baddies in this are described as ninjas, samurai warriors, and sumo wrestlers mm. i wasn't aware that they were particularly nefarious <laughs> but what they are is particularly japanese they're particularly japanese and that's well and don't forget there was one in street uh, fighter so they were currency at the moment true. as, as fighting true. characters 
you're a sumo fan, are you not? I love sumo, yeah. Genuinely yeah. and unironically, I strongly recommend getting into sumo. It's an absolutely fabulous spectacle. <laughs> no, I, I have joking. listened to and enjoyed the sumo wrestling podcast. Yeah, that I did for a little while back, back in, in the, the normal norm. times when you could actually get exactly. together. Exactly. That was a good podcast. The only sports podcast yeah. I've ever listened to, and I did enjoy it. Hey, may. So I suppose it's yeah. possible that I've discovered I like sports podcasts, but I prefer to think of it as I like your podcast. That's great, yeah. <laughs> For folks who aren't really into sport traditionally, I'd recommend watching at least one hmm. highlights of kind of grand sumo tournament, because if nothing else, there's some beautiful, uh, they're called Kesha Mawashi. It's the kind of aprons that the wrestlers wear when they're coming to the ring entering ceremony. That's worth looking at. The referees always wear these beautiful kimonos. And at any given moment, there's the possibility of an incredibly heavy man falling on another incredibly (laughs) heavy man in a comic way, which, again, not to demean the sport, there is always this kind of frisson of something funny is going to happen any moment. And it's also incredibly skilled. Next on the list, the Flintstones need no introduction, but it's worth mentioning that Fred's platform pranks are shaping up for a December release. It, uh, didn't happen. Oh, really? This one was invented by a writer. It never happened. Yep, this is another one. You know, how to check them out. There's two, whenever a new zone is just entirely a list of games, gotta check it. Because this is specifically based on the Flintstones film. That's what confused me at first. Yes. That game did come out for the SNES, but it did not come out for the Mega Drive. It was released via the Sega channel. Their little online service in 1995 wow. and it was one of those ones where even though it is drawn in a kind of you know squishy cartoony way also they try and make them look like the movie actors rather than the cartoon characters is that right uh, i didn't look at pictures i just assume that is as i recall it yes adam's family values coming as well yeah that's happening hard to imagine that being a game but it seems to have only been very loosely based on it uh-huh. uncle fester armed with an electric zapper and a handful of morticia's spells rescuing the baby from the film from the evil babysitter. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the Kenneth Branagh film, is getting a game mm. for the Mega Drive and Mega CD. Did that happen? They make a game out of any old thing back then, wouldn't yeah, they? The yes. tie-in that none of us knew we needed. No. Or knew happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Have you looked that one up already, no, I Chris? No, I know it happened. I looked it up to see if it was released. That's as far as I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at, you know, a sort of a dreary looking platformy game with a dreary looking man stomping around looks a bit like Voldemort well you play the monster so he'd be pretty dreary and then just can't wait for the king because the Lion King game is about to come out not until next month so edging close to Christmas and I think that's when I got my Mega Drive because I got the Lion King pack-in Mega Drive pack I mean I say I that it was me and my brothers between us and we had a wonderful time with it but uh, of course, they also got a Sonic's one and two. Of course, of course. I mean, Sonic's one, two, three, and Knuckles—that would have been too much for one Christmas. But one and two, starter pack. Oh God, you wouldn't have known what to do. That, you no. wouldn't have known where to look. No, yeah. Jesus, could you imagine? No, absolutely. I have no idea what the life would have even been like. It would have been that picture of you know the futuristic city that people post on Twitter. Life if this <laughs> happened or whatever. So then we have some short bursts. Beethoven's Barking Fun, that big cuddly brackets blur dog Beethoven will be searching for his missing pups. Yeah, if you don't know this, back in the day there used to be films coming out about a massive dog. That is the whole premise of the films, and that is the premise of the games. You're a massive dog. What if dog large? What if dog <laughs> pull over Duchovny? 
that is the whole premise and this dog is in a game and i uh, for some reason i was watching footage of this game like a few weeks ago have they mentioned it before in stc or did i do that off my own back i don't know because it didn't happen oh beethoven the second the quest for the missing pups was not released for mega drive must have been a snes game i saw then but uh, beethoven 2 the ultimate canine caper was released on snes and game boy wait are you telling me that beethoven 2 the quest for the missing pups was didn't exist at all it was something i think it was just a different name or the mega drive port of this snares game but yeah Mm -hmm. or a dream or Or that fighting talk double dragon right (laughs) dave mm, yes please make heads or tails of this for me i can't understand the words what's the problem all of it Double Dragon 5 The Shadow Falls is released on the Mega Drive this Christmas at a price to be announced. Okay, I understand that. That's fine so far. Unlike the three previous Double Dragon releases, brackets, the first two were never seen on Sega Systems, close brackets, this fifth incarnation, don't ask about the fourth, is not a Scrolling Streets of Rage style event. Yes. Pars that. Okay, I, I did I did do this homework. Okay, so I tried to do it, but all I could find was evidence that in fact the other games were released on Sega Systems. Oh, you see, that I didn't look up, so I can't help you there. I um, didn't specifically look that up. The Wikipedia article said there were Genesis ports. Right. Well what I was looking up was don't ask about the fourth, and that I can explain. So Yes, this is the fifth game. This is Double Dragon 5. The previous games were Double Dragon, Double Dragon 2, Double Dragon 3, and Double Dragon something else. It had some other name. I think it was a SNES exclusive, and it wasn't called Double Dragon 4. Then this came out. Well, okay, it would make sense why they would say don't ask about the fourth, because it was a SNES thing. But wait, Uh... because it's even more complicated than that now. Because after Double Dragon not four, but something else, comes out on the SNES. The next one is called Double Dragon 5. Well, in 2017, Double Dragon 4 was released. Oh, they made a sequel back... uh, Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Ignoring the bracket bit, unlike the three previous Double Dragon releases, this fifth incarnation is not a scrolling Streets of Rage-style events. So, obviously, the fourth is missing from that sentence. Unlike right. the three previous Double Dragons, don't ask about the fourth. So they this are fifth, scrolling. They're actively skipping events. over the fourth version in that sentence. But then yeah. they also say that the first two were never seen on the Sega systems. They overcomplicated. And also, as I say, based on what I read on Wikipedia, that's not true. No. So anyway, if anybody out there knows, actually do let us know, just because for my own peace of mind. Although I am seeing on Wikipedia that the Sega system they were released to was the master system so this could be someone but it just says the sega yes, systems it does. not it does. mega drive yeah you're right but i wonder if they only looked up whether it was on mega drive and went no further oh henry's cat is with us <laughs> <laughs> right so there we go that's that's that and then Next. another mega blast the run and jump and blast action of turrican plus two sequels has proved a big hit Everybody, on the Amiga over the past five years in Mega Turrican, the hard man here, blah, blah, blah. Mega Turrican's coming out for the, what, Mega Drive? Yeah, for the Mega Drive, that's why they call it Mega Turrican. And also Big Bad Battletech is coming out. Battletech is coming out on the Mega Drive. There you go, there's your short burst. It's just more games. It's just a list of games that are coming out. I don't see, they're no shorter bursts than the Sony's Movie Mania bit, but I guess you can't clump them into one category like you could with those. Show me a new console. Excite me. You know, come on, New Zone. Up your game. (laughs) Yeah. There's loads coming out. Show us. Graphic Zone. The Halloween Horror Special. It's all blood-sucking vampires. Pretty scary, eh? (laughs) 
<laughs> everything about this is utterly delightful. Yeah, this is the sort of barmy nonsense that Graphic Zone excelled in. More and more often we'll have these themed Graphic Zones where through some kind of bizarre, like, parallel evolution and morphic fields, children just decided to draw Sonic in these various different themed ways that the comic could then group together. Like, here we have four or five kids who all decided, what if Sonic Vampire? Yeah. yeah. It's a question that we should all ask ourselves at some point. What if Sonic Vampire? <laughs> and the Sonic answer Vampire? is astonishing. Um, yeah. I unironically love these. I think genuinely there's a kind of, there's a fun to them. Yeah. Whoever drew these had a lot of fun doing them. I can't pass the one on the left, which is a, a kind yeah, of like a, a, really, a really black, really nicely done, actually. Yep. Black outline of Sonic. He's kind of punching towards the camera. Yep. That hand looks much bigger than the one behind him. I'm getting a real sense of perspective here. But yep. what's kind of off-putting <laughs> is that there's this sort of... I'm going to be crude here. This kind of vomit-themed colour scheme <laughs> of like a... a algal green a bright purple a yellow it looks a bit like marble ink or something on a yeah. you know you, when you drop the oil on the water and you do like a little yeah. marble print and each section of his body is done in a different pattern and different collection this of is color. it i mean it's all still green and purple pink and, and yellow but every spike and every bit has a different pattern on it it's kaleidoscopic this is mark vodica from solihull West Midlands game gear owner, Sonic badge winner. Yeah, what he's done is essentially just coloured in a drawing he's done of Sonic using as many patterns as he can possibly think mm. of. And each spine has a different Oh, and, and he's got fangs. I mean, that's why it's here he on has the got Halloween fangs. Zone. He's got fangs for some yeah. reason. But like, so just taking one bit, his chest circle has got like teeth-like spoke spikes coming in from all around the edges outlined in blue colored in in purple with a white gap between the coloring and the outline yellow in between it's like a sarlacc pit his <laughs> legs are green and purple with like a zigzag dividing the two one of his spikes the middle spike on the back of his head has got like these sort of weird squares all down it that are purple with a blue inside and everything else is green with yellow dots he really has come up with millions of different create each finger has a different sort of stripes on it what what I don't know what the precedent for this is. What's he drawing like here? It's I don't think we can answer these questions. I think Mark, if he's out there, just needs to get in touch and send in his explanation. Please, Mark. It, the only thing I can possibly compare it to is that painter who took more and more LSD and kept drawing cats the way he saw them now. <laughs> Do you know that guy? Yeah. Yeah. It's got that vibe about it. So that's that. The other ones are a little bit more... Straightforward, yeah. Andrew Nichols from Tipton, also in the West Midlands, has drawn a sort of... Well, you know what? It's not as normal. I mean, uh, it's a Sonic with sort of bloodshot eyes. Then yeah. he's got a kind of uh, cape or wings of some kind. One or are... the other, yeah. It could be yeah, bat wings, a, could be yeah. a cape. It's... With a black and red Dennis the Menace stripes on him. And then there's just a face on his tummy. Yeah, his whole tummy bit is a face now. And not... Like, when you first look at it, you think that, well, what they've gone for there is a pumpkin look. I thought that, yeah. But it's not. It's the child of that age equivalent of drawing a super realistic human face. <laughs> so it's like, you know, almond-shaped eyes and eyebrows above them at regular intervals and a nose and like... And the mouth has fangs in it. Yeah, going in both directions. Yeah, like cheekbones drawn on and everything. It's like a realistic face. Mm. Don't... Don't know what's going on with that one. Is that maybe influenced by the turtles, perhaps? Or How is so? that. 
Well, I was just thinking, you know, is that influenced by Crank sort of sitting in the middle of his robot? Is that kind of the visual that he's going for there? Or is that maybe a little bit too much of a stretch? Honestly, I don't know. Couldn't fathom it. (laughs) There's a much easier to pass one top Mm. right by... uh, Oh, well, please send full name and address details. Yes, no details who did it. Just Sonic, but green and with fangs. Yep, it's uh, Scourge the Hedgehog (laughs) in prototypical form <laughs> and then james morgan of wales who also hasn't sent his full address details so can't win the badge yet yeah i couldn't help but wonder if they're printing all these people who hadn't sent all their details in because they're running out of badges <laughs> i feel like it's more they had enough things to make a theme here and they had yes. they probably wouldn't have rushed to print them if they hadn't yes. but uh they needed a halloween theme this is kind of like a werewolf tales yes yes that's a good way of putting it he's just tails he looks friendly enough but his pupils mm. are red and he's got loads of what is either fur or loads of nails all over his hands yeah not sure what's happening he's got um, spiky teeth and whiskers too oh yeah spiky teeth well he should have whiskers oh no i see what you mean yeah usually have whiskers as in like nose whiskers he's got an incredible mullet and extremely large feet (laughs) so there's there's some kid out there now who's just well this is where it started was it james morgan of wales oh no (laughs) I mean, there's so many pieces of artwork in Sonic the Comic Graphics as we can say that about, but we try no, not that's to. True. No, I know. <laughs> I know. But the best one, yes. Again, we don't have name and address for this one. Yeah, no details. Yeah, and it is great. This is a a young cartoonist. Seems quite young, and they've drawn a quite good Sonic with a little grin. Yeah. But he's dressed yeah. as a full Dracula. He's yeah, got a full Dracula collar yeah. up. He's holding a glass of blood with a straw mm-hmm. in it. You've got, it's a sign, welcome to Castle Drac Sonic. Tails is behind him, but he's a Frankenstein. I so love he's... that. That's what sets the whole picture. Yeah. In the background, we have the castle and there's scream sound effects ah, coming scream. out of it and lightning it's Coming and out in, in, in a Beano way where it's like scream emanating out of the windows. Ah, coming out the windows. Yeah. But it's the Frankenstein Tails, which is a green Tails with the Frankenstein flat top. And Scar. That's what really sets it off for me. I love <laughs> this brilliant. picture. It's so fun. Yeah. It's great. Fancy a quick pint, says the note. <laughs> Going to all that trouble, putting the whole background in, drawing a castle, all of that. There's a little door you can see. There's all sorts of details. Bats in the sky. It's brilliant. Great stuff. But drawn with the hand of a very young kid. You know, it's very mm. scribbly. It's very basic. But it's like, you know, the hands are a sort of cloud of lumps. But brilliant. <laughs> Tales. Zone Runner and the Flock. Part 4, written by Mark Isles, art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Letters by Elita Fell. When the flock take on Nuts and Bolts robots, a reluctant Tails is faced with Nuts and himself, trying to escape the. <laughs> Having an, an and at the end of a name when the name is a joke on something that has and in it always throws me off. Nuts and. It's not an and, it's an an. It's like how I react to anyone whose name is Teresa, thinking it means trees are. It throws me off every time. Um, (laughs) Trying to escape the insane robot, Tails uses his microbuter to close a security door, and a bit of fortunate timing results in the door closing on top of Nutsen, smashing his body to bits. Though Nutsen's decapitated but still functional head sprouts a set of wheels and escapes, Tails has accidentally won the day, and bids farewell to the flock to rejoin Sonic, who, of course, will never believe the story. Hey! Hey! Yeah! Hey! Yeah! This one was good. Hey, yeah, I like this, this one. This was good. This was this was 
fun! Man, talk about pulling it out at the end there. You think it's going to be the same? Because yeah. very early on, Tails, like the first thing he says in the comic, more or less, is, oh boy, I wish Sonic was here. Yeah. But then you have this brilliant bit where the computer Fantastic. is reacting to his voice. We were wondering about it last issue. We had the yeah. computer's function set up. So Tails tries to hide behind a door yeah. and he tells his computer to close the door. And the computer says, uh, my computer on instruction, close the door. Cannot comply. Door is locked open. Unlock it then. Decoding lock. Door unlocked. Awaiting instructions. And at this point, Nutzan has come in with his neck saws. Turns out yeah. we were right. He really has been chopping the heads off yeah. disobedient robots to make his little necklace of heads. In his arms, he can eject these like circular buzz saws that he chops people's heads off with. And he's got two of them. He's going to bring his arms together on Tails' neck. Bring him in on Tails. And Tails goes, close the door! Close the door! Jolly well, close the door! Jolly well does not compute. Working. Closing door for first time. <laughs> and it closes, and it and it does lock him out, and you're like, okay, great. And then it opens again. <laughs> yeah. Closing door for second time. <laughs> and then it comes down again right on top of Nutsan as he's coming through it. What? I think the microcuter is confused. Jolly well closing door for third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The door comes down and takes Nutsan's head off. That's a good bit. What a tremendous bit. Yeah. That is genuinely funny. That is great. I love that. Hey, this is your first look at the Tales strip. Kat, what did you think of this? Yeah, so obviously I've kind of looked at the Tales comics through the lens of um, Chris's <laughs> quite frankly um diatribes antagonistic yeah. um, and, and attitude towards them and actually as i was going through this i could sort of see where you were coming from in the last panel when tails is running towards the door and you can just see nuts and bolts and kind of looming over him and he says if only i can remember how to use the microputer and shut the security door and you're absolutely right he has this kind of milk toast expression on his mm-hmm. face and, and i saw that and i thought <laughs> god he does Biting look the lower lip yeah he looks really annoying here i can see absolutely where you've come from <laughs> quite like the little bit with the door opening and closing the absolute cherry on the cake here is when his head detaches the robot's head detaches <laughs> with these awesome little wheels and just trundles off into the distance yeah. and what's great is that he's kind of these two little exhaust pipes have emerged from the side of his yeah. head and they're just kind of as he as he trundles off and i thought that was brilliant and he's like a little he hasn't got his jaw anymore so it's just like a cross patch little skull on wheels time for a tactical withdrawal head wheels out you haven't heard the last of nothing it's like a little beetle with wheels and an exhaust and it's brilliant i love it again in the background we have got tails just standing there with his vacant expression on his face yeah yeah the joke with the door is great i'm not so sure i like this characterization but that's the sort of thing if the whole tales strips had been that like genuinely funny things happening by mistake yeah and that's why he's hailed as a hero i think that would be different yeah actually it's more like just solving the problem by mistake and he's hailed by a hero it feels more condescending that way because we're not being particularly (laughs) entertained by it until something good like this happens i mean under isles he's really just stumbled through events until they've reached some sort of climax i mean the goblin story what did he even do in that he literally just stumbled from thing to thing and then he jumped off the parapet and flew away at the end and that was it yeah. you know that was that was he didn't do it he didn't do anything you know he succeeded in running away the best yeah <laughs> whereas this actually has this yeah this little 
oh, whoops, I've saved the day by accident moment. It's genuinely funny, and it fits better the vibe of what the story's always been trying to do with the character. But yeah, we still have it, you know. Like, I had missed this originally, and I only copped to it on a second read-through. He goes back to meet the flock, and it turns out that they haven't even managed to win. Yeah. What's really happened is that the stray shots Nutsan was firing after Tails as Tails tried to escape were what destroyed and melted the servant robots, filling up the and gap that the they melted, were digging Yeah, the melted the... robots blocked the gap in the barrier that they had been creating up till now. Yeah, so, like, the flock beat Sol Furic and Tess Tube, Nutsan's minions who have... Have we heard those names before? No, no, we haven't. I like them. Yeah, I, I know, like they're, they're, they're funny names, but because uh, chemical plants, and we were talking about a bit about it last issue. But yeah. your immediate reaction should be, and I'm sure was, who? Because yep. we've never heard those names before, and they are immediately yep. the names of somebody who isn't a generic goon. Yeah. We should know who that is. That's somebody who should have a little bit of character about them, even if it's the kind of unique character of a Bond henchman or something. Yeah. You know? It's really weird that we're expected to... Yeah, that it mentions them by name. Oh, they've defeated them, and we've never heard of them. Yeah. Well, Tess's first name was mentioned last issue. Yeah. That was it. I must say, Corona, oh, Corona is really showing his strengths on this one. Yeah. After some pretty unremarkable work on the first couple, he's coming together very nicely, very quickly on this one. There's something about the colours on this. I'm not sure what it is. The colours look well. Some really nice dynamic panels. That panel there at the bottom of page one where Tails says, Oh, I wish Sonic was here. And then Nutsan is like, You use the S word! And his yes. face is all dramatically lit by the flare of his gun. Yeah, the colour on that is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We have the panel of Tails weaving as Nutsan fires after him, you know. I love that panel. I love that panel on page three where the door comes up for the first time and Nutsan's like, Aha! And he comes yeah. through it. I love that. Nutsan looks great in that one. Yeah. And of course, the little trundly head. Yes. After that. <laughs> the little trundly head is brilliant. Yeah. I really like the last two panels, not least because it looks like Tails is surfing away in a bin lid. I think he is. <laughs> I think <laughs> I mean, he is. Like, what, yeah. Is that actually what's happening? I think so. Like, what have they given him? So, listeners, what we're talking about is that in the second to last panel, we are with Tails, who is sitting on some kind of metal dish, some sort of bin lid looking thing. Like a bin lid. Waving as above in the distance the silhouettes of the flock are waving but we're clearly on a big slide wall of metal the edge of the barrier holding the mega oh, right, the, the right, dam right. wall as it were okay but it's curved it's not just a wall and yeah. so he's using it as a slide and then in the final panel he's at the bottom of the slide still in his little bin like hunkered down like a fox or a cat yeah. or something it's quite sweet although too many brow ridges well like a child might even or like a child and that's where Sonic comes wandering along and goes, oh, there you are. And it, yeah, it is got to be a bin lid. Oh, maybe it's like one of the bin lids from one of the radioactive bins or toxic waste things at the top. I think it is. Oh, I see. I there think... are some toxic yeah. bins. Okay, they're toxic waste bins, but they're not. They haven't got toxic waste in because people are in them. And it's the baddies have been put yes, in. Yes, it's Tess. I see it. And I didn't realize that's what that was. Salt yes, it's Tess and Saul have been stuck in there. And the lid of one is resting on top of Tess's head. Yeah. But they've specifically left the one that's supposed to be on Saul off. And that must yeah. be what Tails uses to, um, to scoop down. What a creative way of getting Tails back home, actually. That's that actually good. is quite clever. Because I yeah. thought at first it was just one of those circular platforms from the chemical plant zone. I mean, they're not oh, yeah. hollow. You don't sit in them like a oh, yeah. bin lid. But yeah, that is actually what it is, and it's it's right there in the yard. 
It's really cute. The little last picture of Tails hunkering down in the bin lid yeah. as he, he clasps the sides. Yeah. Um, they've somehow um, The artwork has somehow made him look really small mm. and he's got a big head and big eyes and he just looks so cute. This one really managed to pull out a win at the end. Yeah. I didn't actually see that coming. <laughs> but yeah, Corona has visually improved a lot in the four parts. Some great panels in this one. Good funny joke to end it all. Yeah, I don't feel like the writer is treating Tails with naked contempt of a child. (laughs) (laughs) So, an eventual win there for Tails. Next it says, Tails goes solo. I don't know what that's referring to. No, it doesn't. It does. No, it doesn't. Is that what it says in the scan? Yeah, what does yours say? Well, look what it says in the real comic. Tails will be back soon. Oh! Oh, that's bizarre. It says, in a caption, Tails will be back soon. Under the panel it says, next, next issue, Knuckles, Knuckles goes, goes solo. solo. He does. Yeah, he does. That's weird. That is weird. So what, what is that Has mean? someone deliberately edited that? Maybe. It looks like it, yeah. In the scan, the go solo looks a little bit bolder and a little bit bigger than the two words preceding it. So it looks like it's been kind of photoshopped. That's because it is and has. Wow, wow, wow. That is fascinating. Someone has fully edited that. They have taken the word next. They have Mm. moved the word Tails. Mm. Tails goes solo. That is very strange. Yeah. Why would anybody do that? (laughs) I don't know. Whoever did the scans, write in. You're suitably obsessed with STC that you probably are going to listen to this at some point. What, what what gives? What's that? What's happening there? Like, do you know the, the thing it reminds me of the most is that uh, when I was a teenager, I got my first copies of Archie from someone in America and they apologised for an edit that they'd made because they had this little obsession with just something they wanted to change about the Archie comics. And what it turned out to be was that there's a bit where Knuckles says to Sonic, dialogue, 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 come on. Come on, as in C apostrophe M-O-N. M-O-N. And the teenager who had sent it to me had tipexed out the C, making Knuckles Jamaican. But I... But the earliest fanfics I ever read of Sonic on the internet in the 90s made him Jamaican. Maybe A, this was Y, or B, it was the same teenager. Who knows? <laughs> small weird little world we live in (laughs) i mean i thought from those for a long time that knuckles was jamaican in archie before i actually read any but this is just when i was a kid obviously when i was young because i read these fanfics where he was jamaican and obviously i mean he had the dreadlocks dreadlocks. i assume that's what they were working with i don't suppose you can remember which fanfics or who wrote them god no not in the slightest i remember absolutely nothing about it i just remember that he had a Jamaican accent. Assuming this was a long time ago, then it's possible that that would have been, you know, the Bookshire Draftwood ones or something like that, where... I don't know what that is. There just weren't that many Sonic fanfics in those days. There was Dandre's and there was Bookshire Draftwood and a couple of others. So if you've ever heard the name, was Commander Packbell in them, for instance? I, d- I don't remember anything about them. <laughs> well, so I wonder if... It was to be in line with these popular fanfics that the comic was edited to make Knuckles be Jamaican. But who knows? Well, Dave, now I do. Thanks to the GeoCities website, Kronos the Cat's collection of the Bookshire Sonic fanfiction multiverse continuum, I have found this to be the case. Based upon at least one story called This Island Floating by Joseph Delacroix, Knuckles does have a Jamaican accent in this fic. 
which does seem to exist in a greater cinematic universe, so to say, of fan fictions by a variety of different authors, including Dan Drazen and Bookshire Draftwood, etc. I have learned something this day. Just so, we've got page of adverts now, and it's a double page Ooh. spread mega advert presenting Kellogg's Frosties and Gladiators, yes. the winning team. This makes me so nostalgic for a thing that I wasn't even allowed to watch. <laughs> I was allowed, but I just wasn't interested. <laughs> uh, I think it was like, it was it was something to do with like, A, it was violent, and B, again, it, it was just yeah. a bit common. A bit common, wasn't it? <laughs> and that was what was great about it, but that was why it wasn't allowed in our house. I wasn't interested. It was a bit too much like wrestling. It was a bit too much like oiling people up. I, no, I wasn't interested in this. Yeah. It was it was too oddly chastely kids TV sexual. Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, well, I did watch it. I loved a bit of Gladiators. And if you didn't want to oil up Jet at the age of 13, <laughs> <laughs> there was no helping you. <laughs> yeah, anyone of any gender, I think, felt that at some point, yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. to this day I know who or what Jet is. I assume this is That's her, her there on the poster. Well, yeah. I can't really judge because this is a drawing. Yes. We used to run around the playground playing gladiators, which basically meant mm. you'd have a 10-minute argument about who was going to be who, and then um, yeah. someone would shout, Three, two, one, one ready! And then you just have like a pretend fight and that was it. This would go on for hours. That's the one thing I know. My friend Alex brought the house down with his... Three, two, win, and it was the it was the it was the heavy Y on T. Like I didn't. I now as an adult, I now recognise that what he was doing was a cod Scottish accent. Yes. But back then, it was just this incredible voice he'd come up with. Gladiators, ready. <laughs> just like you've seen him on TV, Tony the Tiger is swinging in to announce some great news. This time, Kellogg's Frosties has teamed up with the Gladiators to bring you a set of four Gladiators viewers. They're great! <laughs> You're hanging <laughs> the pudding there, Tony. <laughs> Inside every special 750 gram and one kilogram pack of Kellogg's Frosties is an exclusive pair of free Gladiators viewers with either Jet, Wolf, Shadow or Warrior on the front. And there is a picture. It's incredibly clear what the Gladiators viewers are. Yeah, they're 3D glasses. Standard red and blue 3D glasses. Just pop them on, turn to the back of your favourite cereal pack and watch how the Gladiators action picture comes alive with three-dimensional effects. True Gladiators fans will love the Giant Gladiators posters to be collected. Just save 8 tokens on 20p postage, and you could share your own room with Wolf, Jet, Shadow, Warrior, Lightning, or Hunter at a mega 5 foot 10 inches. You can hang the posters on your bedroom door and be the envy of your friends. Plus, they each have a brilliant 3D background that will work with the viewers. I mean, that's that's life-size. Basically, yeah. I mean, and they absolutely knew what they were doing when they made the poster <laughs> shown in the picture for this advert, the Jet one. Yep. You can have a big life-size drawing of Jet on your bedroom wall. She's about your size. <laughs> and also, they do talk about how it's going to come to life in 3D if you put your Gladiator viewers on. Stop, please. I can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> but we can see from the picture that all it means is that the draw and it, and it is it's like a cartoony drawing slash painting mm. of jet but the background of her is 3d it's just different pictures of jets yeah. at different distances away from you the angle that she's been drawn at as well the picture is of jet in a kind of a traditional sporty pose you know yeah. like bikini bottom bikini top 
abs perfectly chiseled, etc., etc. Yeah. But she's got one arm kind of sticking out the back at a weird angle, and she's holding her lower back, and she's got one arm at the front, kind of holding her front, and it looks like she's kind of trying to correct her own posture. Yeah. And um, at the time that she's doing it, like she's she's undertaking exactly. physio as she's being portrayed. Yeah. She's got her bum poking out, and she's got her hands either side of it squeezing as if yeah. she's got trap wind and she's just trying to squeeze some out it's based on her promotional photograph from the program chris has just found the same image in photograph chris i assume you had this one on your bedroom wall oh yeah i had you. this one no i had this one saved on the hard drive i was about to say <laughs> no <laughs> i just recognized it because yeah it's just it was just her promotional photo right so yeah um yeah sorry it is it's real it's not something they made up <laughs> the photo that chris just sent us crops at just below the waist and frankly it's only the very bottom portion of this drawing where things come a cropper she's got one foot flat on the ground and the other one up on the toe and the one up on the toe is not the right size no. there's a weird sort of visual overlap happening there that it's mm. it's a little difficult to visually this is a clearly a pose. good artist who's yeah. done a good and isn't even a slave to the picture like her head's on at a different angle it's a good cartoon it looks good and then the feet are just, something's gone wrong. It, it has all the hallmarks of running out mm. of paper. Mm. I think that's what happened. So I would suggest that what happened is the artist will have penciled this better and then they'll have gone, right, we want to print it like this. Oh, Chris has found a very similar photo. Not the same one, but the same pose and presumably the same photo shoot. I get the impression they may have taken the legs the off of that one and put them on the top of that one and the, because the feet have that sort of weird overlap fold going on there. That's absolutely right, including the there's something odd going on with the far toe, and you can see that reflected in this picture. So, yeah, that's what's happened. I'd like to thank this podcast for giving me the opportunity to just, uh, <laughs> just look Google at some... up pics of Jet. It's nice. It's like, you know, we don't get to travel back to 1994 as often as we'd like on this show, and uh, this is a special time in a young man's life. When, uh... <laughs> I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> just leave you to it. <laughs> Nah, she does. For me, this, yeah. And I like a picture of a lady as much as I like a picture of a gentleman that she just looks mm -hmm. like she, A, needs a sandwich, I'm sorry, and B, a session with a physio. What's going on with your back, love? <laughs> Get some painkillers in you. <laughs> so, what is the compo portion of this, anyway? Yeah, well, it's the next page, competition. We've got 80 fantastic prizes from Kellogg's Frosties, five gladiators mega packages, as shown in the picture. And there's a big picture of loads Ooh. of merch. There's a t-shirt hanging up. There's a big one of them sports bags that's like can-shaped that the sporty boys had. There's what appears to be a big gladiators board game of some description. It doesn't actually say what the price doesn't pack mention is. that. There's just a picture, yeah. Yeah, and it just says including an exclusive Tony the Tiger cuddly toy. Not pictured. Not pictured, no. I can see two CD singles in the picture various pictures of people you know gladiators some more 3d glasses something like is that a frosty's t-shirt or oh no it's just the frosty's logo on the bottom of the jet poster so mm. that's there as well and in the background as in the previous picture of just the jet poster and a couple of boxes of frosties there's a full-on 3d grid picture of the sort you'd expect to find on you know those transformers boxes and stuff <laughs> but this one has been colored in rainbow colors as well so it looks like you're going through a time warp of grids so you get of 15 one-year Gladiators fan club memberships with introductory pack to be won. I wonder if that's going to be as rip-roaringly exciting as the uh, Russ Trolls <laughs> fan club. At least two newsletters. <laughs> uh, it makes no such claim this time. You never know if you're getting any newsletters. So it's five mega packages 
or 15 one-year fan club memberships for the presumably runners-up, or 60 Gladiators sports bags given away. Now, those are pictured in the pack, so I think that's the third prize. Yeah. Mm, you just yeah. get 60 Gladiators sports bags turn up at your door one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do to win one of these fabulous prizes is come up with the name for a new gladiator and say why you've chosen it in no more than 15 words the most interesting responses will win 15 words what would you name a gladiator dave god i don't know because i never used to watch it you know well they all had names like jet and shadow yeah warrior lightning hunter saracen so they were all single words. I can give you an 11 word, which is, you'll agree, fewer than 15 words. Description of why I've chosen the name I've chosen. Go. Even without having chosen the name. And my description is, because that sounds like the sort of name gladiators are given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the thought process. Like, like I don't know, um, scimitar. Or, Ooh, um, so, yeah. Lightning. There was a lightning, wasn't yeah. there? Uh, there probably was a thunder then. Thunderstorm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Grapple. Beethoven. <laughs> Big dog energy. Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. Mozart. Maybe not. Cher. <laughs> Frosties. Frosties. I've just won the competition, Chris. Oh, I've won the competition. It. It's Frosties. Frosties. And then my 15-word description is something that's you only about... You two. They're great. <laughs> You've just won. And Chris has won the competition. So what Chris needs to do immediately is to write that answer on a postcard with his name, age, address, and T-shirt size and send it to Kellogg's Frosties Gladiators Competition, P.O. Box 3912, Birmingham, B31RH, by... Mm, yeah, you're going to be Ooh. struggling. By the 17th of November 1994, and it does specify 1994. I think if I oh, go right now and we finish this podcast later today, I could probably get it in time. Just about, just about. Q-Zone. So, like, technically, Q-Zone, but I have nothing to say about the Q-Zone. Yep, normal service has been resumed, as it says, because it's just an ordinary Q-Zone. Uh, FIFA Soccer on the Mega CD, Aladdin on the Master System and Game Gear, Pete Sampras Tennis on the Mega Drive. The only one that really struck me as interesting was the Micro Machines one on the Game Gear, where mm. you need yeah. two Game Gears, two copies of the game. And they, they admit that that's unlikely. Yeah, I know, right? Plug them all together, and you can play a tennis game, which I looked up. Yeah. Apparently, it's called John's Squinky Tennis, yes. which is apparently Squinky a game tennis. that was hidden on a bunch of Codemasters games. Yeah, yeah, not unique to micro machines. No, but I couldn't find any footage of it. No, same. That's cool. It is cool. I really like stuff yeah. in games where it's either a glitch or it's something you're not supposed <laughs> yes. to see. And this has got that real flavour yeah. to it. Like playground legend, people arguing about, oh no, it did happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it reminds me oh, of that. It's the stuff. ones as well where it, even though the cheats got out, you get the sense they weren't for you. Like the one in Aladdin, where if you do the cheat, up comes the face of the lead developer, Dave Perry, and it goes like, hi, Dave. So it's just his cheat that he put for himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it was like back then. That's why we don't have that anymore today. Well, maybe we do, and they just we don't find out about the cheats. Everybody minds the data of all the oh, new video God, games yeah. and knows everything that goes on in yeah. them now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When stuff does tend to be hidden, yeah, so the data's mining, you can find it. A couple of things contributed to Easter eggs and things being taken out of games. Number one was just corporate. Of course, Microsoft used to have a lot of hidden things in their office software and their office suite of oh. programs. And companies said, well, if all this stuff is hidden in here, what else is hidden in here? And it became a security 
security issue. Yeah. The other thing is, with a lot of modern games, you've got much better version control, so you don't get stuff dummied out so much as you used to. So back in the old days, when you know programs were cobbled together on this, that, and everything, you'd have you know load bearing code where no one was really quite sure what it did anymore. It might have been used for debugging or something, but they didn't want to take it out because if you took it out, the whole thing might break. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, because of version control, you, you just don't tend to get that so much. It's a poor programming form. So uh, I'll just push my glasses back up my nose. And uh, But I yeah. want to be invincible all the time. Why yeah. can't I not have that anymore? Decap Attack. Who Killed Chuck? Part 5. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching with letters by Steve Potter. The dungeon monster that scared off Detective Case proceeds to eat Chuck then immediately vomits him up again when he finds him indigestible. Leaving the dungeons, Chuck runs into Case once again, but this time he manages to lure the cop in close enough to deliver a headbutt that knocks him out. So this just, I mean, what is there even to say at this point? I mean, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> what there is to say is that this is Cat's first time with Decap Attack True. Tell us about Oh this my experience. goodness. So when I was reading this um, in preparation for this podcast, I was lying in bed and I was just like, what is this? Looking at the art style going, who's this Who's this cheeky little chappy down here with, in, in this funny little mummy? Is he a poo? No, he's not a poo. Is it his head? Yeah, okay. And then Guy explained it to me. I know, is his head? And he, he throws the skull, right? It's based on this game. I was like, you what? And then I looked at the artwork and we got into the comic and I was reading it and I was actually laughing out loud. This is like, what it was reminiscent of to me was a kind of, you remember like the sort of radio like comedies from the 1960s where it was like a gag a minute and it was stupid and broke the fourth wall. (laughs) And it's just reminded me of that. I loved it. I absolutely loved it so much that I then went back and read a load more of these on different um, (laughs) Sonic the Comics. I haven't read anything else yet, but I've read loads more of these because I just think it's brilliant. I just couldn't stop laughing. You've gone back through the decap archives. I actually couldn't stop laughing. This is utterly insane and I love it. Either this actually made it into the episode or I'm just remembering it from chatting, but I feel like when Guy was on this... I remember saying to him, like, oh, show Kat some decap attack. I think she would like decap attack specifically. <laughs> and I guess so. If I can point out one specific bad guy, it's like the guy with the big old chin that's floating on a brain. Yes. Catherine, come and look at this stupid face. <laughs> he looks like the hamburglar sitting on a pile of meat. <laughs> <laughs> His face, his face in the first panel. <laughs> He's got this just the kind of right mixture of guile and stupidity combined <laughs> in, in one expression. Like, I think it's one eye slightly hooded. It gives him that kind of, obviously, the monstrous appearance. But he's got this real gurning, goonish grin to him with these tombstone-like teeth just sticking out at all angles. He looks like he's so proud of himself for coming up with this plan, which, as we see, all goes to pot pretty quickly. Yeah, so the first page is just the resolution of the last thing. You know, it's only three panels. One big panel, the big... What is he, a crocodile monster? Like a just a friend? monster of some kind. Yeah, he's looming up behind them. Next panel, his mouth fills the whole panel, and final panel, it comes down on a big chomp. Second panel, by the way, Chuck seen from the side. Particularly <laughs> funny drawing. <laughs> yeah. All the lines are really, really it's funny. It's great. There's a kind of freedom of expression in the artwork with that mm. sort of combination of the quite fluid roundness of it, but yeah. also the angles that... 
And in some of it, it reminded me a little bit of like the spirit of Ronald Searle or something like that from the 50s or 60s. I know know, that's massively high praise and it's only in kind of tiny little areas. But and I also these first two panels had the first gag that actually made me (laughs) laugh out loud. And this just shows you what a child I am. (laughs) Its head is just kind of going, obviously trying to get Chuck's attention in the second panel. You can see him staring in horror at the monster. Head, will you knock it off with the train impressions? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then they follow that up with this gag where the monster turns out to be quite an erudite, well-spoken Walter the Softy type. He eats Chuck, breaks a tooth on head and spits head out. But then he's just pats his belly and is like, a little tougher than I would have liked, but all in all, a pleasant little snack should keep me going until elevenses. (laughs) And then Chuck, and And I'm sure Dave, you appreciated the gag where... uh, a little toy train comes out yes. in the stream of vomit. <laughs> yes, that's right. This carrots. The whole second page is just the guy having reactions to the fact that he's eaten them. The first one is too hard, and the second one makes him vom everything up. Yeah, there's two intact carrots, a bone. That, I love that. I love that so much. It's not little bits of carrot because that would be an obvious no, joke. It's, it's two, two whole carrots. carrots with the the greenery still attached <laughs> to them. Yeah, it's the tiresome. There's always carrots yeah. in it joke. But yeah. it's literally two full <laughs> carrots. Two whole Nothing carrots. said about it, and a little toy train, <laughs> and like what? A flat apple? What's happening there? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, fair enough. He looks. <laughs> Chuck looks so anxious. <laughs> he does. He looks doesn't like he's he? inconvenienced this monster, and he's extremely sorry to have done so. I love how pleased with himself Head looks in these yeah. two panels. So happy. <laughs> Because he never smiles. And he's got a big grin on it there. And the monster's so ashamed and abashed to have been eating between meals. And Head says, oh, don't worry about it. Chuck makes everyone sick. (laughs) And then he's grinning so hard at his own gag. He's got a real kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of (laughs) funny bones. Like, ooh. And in in the panel next to it, I think this is where the kind of Ronald Searle comparison came in for me. Because Chuck's face... He's got a, a kind of beetled brow expression. And again, these tombstone teeth sticking up at all angles. These gloriously flared nostrils and this <laughs> incredibly irritable expression. Like, he's just looking up at head as he places him back on top of his body. And it reminds me so much of the kind of caricatures of headmasters from Molesworth or yes. something like that. With that expression of kind of polite fury. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, I just love it. It's so funny. There's something about the way that he's captured this expression that it's got... For what is essentially an absolutely bonkers premise, he's put so much character and heart into it that I just can't help but fall in love with it as a concept. See this next bit here where Chuck comes up out of the dungeon and the detective jumps out in front of him. There's nowhere left to hide. And Chuck's like, wouldn't say that. And retracts his head back down inside (laughs) his bandages. And Case is like, you come out of there this minute, young fella, my lad. And climbs in after him. Climbs in in through the bandage gap. (laughs) And then while he's there, just like the camera closes in on head just impotently <laughs> resting on the shoulders as the detective's legs stick out of the hole in Chuck's bandages. Looking says, more and more cross. I didn't always do this for a living, you know. The drama critic of the Wigan Advertiser said my Yorick was one of the most moving performances he'd ever had the privilege to witness. <laughs> I just love it. I think this is what I mean about it reminding me of like the really the best of 60s radio comedy. That gag where he climbs in. It's yeah. kind of got yeah. that feel of 
you don't know what the rules are and you don't need to know what the rules are because the rules can be broken at any moment. This is fourth wall breaking nonsense. There's yeah. no, there doesn't need to be internal consistency, literally or figuratively exactly. in this particular case. One of the goons declares that he's coming in and then there's a lot of clanging and clattering noises and you have to just imagine what's yeah, happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or like it reminds me a little bit of a wonderful bit. I think it's again from the goons where someone's saying, but how did you know I was there? And he says, I was watching you on page three of the script disguised as a paperclip. Um, and it's got that kind of feel to it. Um, the, the panel where um, Chuck kind of retracts backwards into his is almost like his shell, like yeah. a kind of recalcitrant tortoise. But look at his expression, just that perfect kind of yeah. schoolboyish glee, having got yeah. one over on this guy. Ooh, he's got that ooh, little grin with his, yeah. his nostrils and his, his, his cute little appley cheeks. It's just he's so funny. <laughs> and then, of course, he just pops right back out and headbutts him across the room. <laughs> yeah, the equivalent of punching him across the room, but with his face. I, I must say, I would have quite liked it if the guy just clambered in and that was it. Like, you never yeah. see him again. Yeah, that's it. That's a bit trapdoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little it's bit. like Nanny's handbag in Ducula. As an American, I have been waiting this entire time to get Decap Attack. And when he said, we know you're in there, punk, We've got the place surrounded. That was a full, unexpected belly laugh. Bravo. I get it now. Nigel Kitching and Decap Attack forever. And then we close out the strip with Chuck uh, responding to Head's criticism. As, though, as I'll recall, the Wigan advertiser described your Yorick as crass and utterly tasteless. Uh, my interpretation of the part was simply too challenging for them. Besides, I can only do a Cockney accent. <laughs> Next, it's a fair cop. Yes. The final chapter. It's so good. <laughs> Bloody good. I want a collection of these. I want a trade paperback of these. I know. We've it. said that before. Get on it, whoever's got the copyright. Yeah, well, I don't know if anybody has. That's, That's what we question, said. Really, like, yeah. If they did a trade of just the decaps, that would be a cracking yeah. book. There are a lot of them, too, Like, because this is yeah. the end of the second serial coming up, but Decap would hang around for years. Just, yeah. but it's my new favourite thing. Honestly, my face was <laughs> laughing from hurting so much reading these. Strike that. Reverse it. I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. She uh, changed her Twitter avatar into Chuck's face last night as a result Perfect. of Perfect. I found another picture in another comic. He's just the perfect combination of annoyed and resigned, and I feel like it <laughs> expresses my views about 2020 at the moment, so it's staying there. <laughs> Lines. Again, it's another one where we've just got three letters in. Maybe yeah. again because of the font the size, but actually, you know, they also they are kind of long letters this time around. Mm, yeah. Carl Allum from Basildon has giving voice to the same complaint we were back when we discovered mm. it. He's disgusted with the back issue zone. Oh, he's very he cross. missed issue number fifteen, but he realised he had to purchase four issues, minimum order price four forty, oh, to get the one he 40. wanted. A con, he declares it. Imagine how many packets of Watsits that is. <laughs> the inventor of this idea was probably lost in the backward zone. Yeah. Ever consider subscribing? Oh, <laughs> as a Yorkshire woman, I'm just, I'm appalled. I'm with Carl Allen on this. <laughs> no, um, we... £4.40 yeah. and you've got to buy all four just for... Oh, that's outrageous, that is. That's daylight yeah, robbery. We well, they didn't charge for post, was the thing. Uh, so that was how they were making it up. Still, still. I mean... I suppose another way of looking at it is that they were charging for posts, but you get three free comics with it that you get to board and bag and save and sell on eBay 26 years later. <laughs> well, yeah. Stephen White from Purley is uh, looking angling for a no prize on this one. 
Um, <laughs> he's complaining about Eternal Champions. He observes that uh, the characters traveled to the Cyberdome and captured a gun which Rax clearly stated would rip through six-inch steel plate like butter. But um, later on, um, when they battled <laughs> Nakano, uh, Trident uh, complained about the gun and uh, Nakano stated that his craft had uh, only five-centimeter armor, yet uh, the gun couldn't pierce it. Now, uh, is it just me or have you made a mistake? <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> but as Megadroid points out, what you and Trident failed to notice was that Nakano's craft was made out of adamantium, a metal far superior in strength to steel. Didn't fool me. He's right, it was too. Imagine that. Imagine sending that letter in, just bragging to all your friends that you've got, you know, there's a gotcha coming up in the next episode of STC. And then that's the response. Oh, you'd never live it yeah. down. You f***ed up, Carl. No, your name is Stephen. You f***ed up, Stephen. I suppose it's it's not unlikely that a child in the UK in 1994 wouldn't know what adamantium was as the X-Men oh, yeah. cartoon had not yet achieved exactly. mass saturation. And do they say adamantium? This isn't just Megadroid Oh yes, no, they did, they did. Excuses. I remember it. It's in the strip. Yes. No weapon can pierce five centimetre adamantium armour. Nakano was boasting about the strength of his ship. And then the uh, the third letter has a response that hopefully goes right over the head of a lot of its readers. <laughs> this um, is the gold standard, yeah. I have to say. This was tremendous. So the letter is, an anonymous writer from Torquay, but who is a Mega Drive owner, says, Dear STC, while I was on holiday with my parents, we stopped off as a service station where I decided to have my photo taken. The machine had a screen showing various famous faces allowing me to choose who I wanted to be photographed with. What I want to know is, where was Sonic? I had to settle for Madonna instead. A lot of famous humans have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Iceburn! Oh! Madonna got told. Oh, she's recovered and continued to have a career for 25 years. <laughs> More Halloween-themed pieces of art decorating the page as well. Um, ben yeah. Parkin from Brentwood has yep. a little devilly Sonic. A little, yeah, he looks a, sort of more like Ray, doesn't he? Yeah, his he's spikes aren't too big. It's a red Sonic, but with small spikes. And a trident and a little yellow and black striped bumbly bee jumper. Yeah, and very bloodshot eyes. Yes. And little angry eyebrows. Mm. Then Lisa Gilbert from Worthing has a stranger one. A yes, sort of what Sonic the Vampire Bat. I mean, I think it's a stretch to say this is Sonic at all. I mean, it's blue with spikes and it's got sneakers, so... Yeah, and she it, sent it to Sonic the comic. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, uh, technically, it has spikes, although not really Sonic spikes. No. Just a few little thin noodly ones on the top of its head. Other than that, it's a big face that's got great big green eyes... And big teeth that are... It's, it's a very odd-looking thing. Lisa's uncle worked at Sega. She knew that Sonic's eyes were going to be green in a few years' time. Oh, so she's yeah, just ahead yeah. of the curve. Honestly, it looks kind of like like a sort of Pokemon or something. I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit of a Pokemon. I'm getting strong Zubat feelings from this. There you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually quite charmed. Yeah, 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 I like it. I think it's really sweet. It's really weird that you would draw that and think to yourself... I tell you who wants this. <laughs> Sonic the comic. Wants that this. Sonic, that is. Yeah. That little round bat with proper wings and little yeah. stumpy legs and slightly dozy expression. That's Sonic, that is. Yeah. Aww. This is an artist who does not worry about tailoring her portfolio for the person that she's interviewing with. <laughs> no, I'm down with that. You power to it. That's exactly what you should do. You're expressing yeah. yourself. This is bringing good vibes. Well done, Lisa Gilbert. Write in and send us, just draw us more. <laughs> send us a few of these. <laughs> and, uh, 
We're not quite at the end, no. because uh, inside the back cover, where the next issue ad would normally be, we instead have an ad for Sonic the Poster Mag number, number seven. seven. A strange position for it, but on the streets. Right now, this is another one where it's come out already. Yes. And they didn't tell us about it ahead of time. New Streets of Rage story, plus giant-sized action poster. This is a Streets of Rage poster mag. Word is, it's hot. 175 for the poster oh, oh dear no wonder i'd stop reading them by this point <laughs> yeah. but this time i'll be if we can mm. find a copy of this i'll be very interested to read another streets of rage story and then on the back cover that's where we find our advert for next issue and it's always exciting to see it there because it's big and full page and everything next issue yeah. prepare for fireworks it's knuckles the series yes. knuckles got the front cover and knuckles got the back cover this is a around Knuckles-y episode. The image here is, it looks to be by Mike Hadley yeah. of Knuckles on the floating island, looks like in the Marble Garden zone, and he's shredding with his knuckles a poster of Sonic's head, which Sonic has signed to Knuckles, my number one fan, Ooh. and pinned up <laughs> on a pillar. So yeah, Sonic went and posted bills all over the Marble Garden zone and Knuckles is tearing <laughs> them down. And he's about to be prosecuted. <laughs> Two-fisted tails of action with the red dreaded one. Oh, I love that. Two-fisted Two tails fisted of action. <laughs> And that's T A L E S. Don't yes. get concerned about the content of next issue strip. <laughs> Dave. No, but it was like two fisted tails was old comic book language yeah. for action stories. But Knuckles is all about, all about his, two fists. his knuckles. I mean, I was I was about to say Knuckles has two fists, but most people do. Most people so, do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His signature two hands. But Knuckles is all about those knuckled fists. Two fisted. Tails. By the way, we just sneaked in, finally mentioning something last issue that we probably should have mentioned previously, which is that STC Knuckles, instead of his sort of half moon crest on his chest, they interpreted that as a kind of metal collar thing. And mm. in this drawing, it's got a little hole in it. Drawn yeah, a little, little uh, clasp, presumably, yeah, like yeah. where it uh, where it clips together. How he gets because he can't get it off over that big melon head, yeah. <laughs> so he's got he's got to clip it on like a necklace. I thought this was a necklace. I was like totally yeah. down for Knuckles to be, you know, rocking yeah. some fine jewelry. Yeah. It is in the games. It's a crescent moon shaped birthmark mm. on his chest, yeah. which is rubbish. <laughs> also next issue a free set four of the exclusive stc sonic stickers yes secure area what does that one say I can't patrolled by sonic so that's to put on your bedroom door that one is Ooh. plus all your favorite sega superstars don't miss it knuckles wouldn't like it Ooh. on sale saturday the 12th of november 1.15 Ooh, looking forward to Knuckles' a series. I'm going to go read it now. So there we go. That, cat was the first issue of Sonic the Comic you have ever read. What is your overall impression of this flappy, massive volume? By the way, look at the size of them. This is how big they were in real life. There's my head. That's yeah, pretty good. Quite big. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. If I'd have read it when I was actually the age that it was aimed at, yeah. I wouldn't have read it again. Ah, now, why is that? And that's not because I didn't enjoy it. It would have come across to me as this isn't for you. This isn't for yeah. girls. Mm. And that's yeah. something that I came up against a lot. 
and it takes a lot of time and kind of rethinking things to get over that as you get older yeah. as, as a woman now i love it i think it's great decap attack i know i've said this before but honest to god i just it was so funny i absolutely loved it the artwork in sonic was adorable that kind of brought like a weird nostalgia for me as i say because like, i remember seeing it around I me mean, people had like sonic bags and pencil cases and everything else so it was definitely like in school it just didn't really have anything to do with me and because i only ever played sonic like when i went around to my friend's house now and then it was just yeah. that was a game i didn't even know there was you know some something else to it um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thought it was adorable. Yeah. Great. It's always nice when we're introducing this nonsense to new people. Yeah. It just proves that it's not some weird, unique relic of the past that you had to be there to enjoy, which mm. I, get, I mean, I'm, I've said it now till I'm sick of saying it on this podcast. <laughs> but I like to think we are managing to change the perception and the conversation surrounding this comic. I hope so. And, and proving to ourselves yeah. in a little way. Yeah, that, honestly. No, we're not. We're not mad. It actually was good. No, it was really good. (laughs) Really enjoyed it. There was a lot to laugh at. And I can imagine, as I say, if things had been a bit different when I was a kid and someone had given me that and like maybe a sherbet dib dab or a a, a bag of pick and mix. Some fruit pastels. And like just sat me in front of a a gas fire with a blanket and said, here you go. Here's a stack of these. I'd have been happy as Larry. Well, if this podcast makes you happy as Larry, you can find all the episodes we've done before and all our new episodes on Apple Podcasts, wherever all good podcasts are available. And also, you can get it direct from stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow this flipping thing on Twitter if you'd like. We've got an account at, at Sonic Podcast, but you can follow us separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well. And Dave, he's on that Twitch. Yeah. I'm also on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm uh, at Wangleberry. Um, please don't expect anything exciting except sporadic episodes of I Don't Like Mondays. If you see those come out, you know something horrible has gone wrong in southwest London, and uh, <laughs> we've found ourselves in need of reviewing Garfield again. <laughs> oh, so it's a therapy podcast. It's a therapy podcast, yeah. Right, Usually yeah. what happens is we have half a bottle of wine and we go, you know what we need to do? We need to read some Garfield to an uncaring public. <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that on patreon.com slash stctp, where you will be able to get access to exclusive video episodes where we talk about the Martin Adams Sonic novels, and I suffer through Dave reading me the Sonic fanfiction that he wrote when he was 15 years old. That's a time. <laughs> that happens, and Chris has to experience that. The egomatic hovered in the air for a second before turning and zipping out of the door. The Agomatic now much faster than ever before, and capable of almost catching up with Sonic, even when using- Oh no! Oh no! No! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Even when using Chaos Control, uh, Power Rings! Pa- a uh, power ring, Chris! Yes. Even when using a power ring! No! <laughs> you can hear more of our editor Sam Gabriel's voice on his podcast, Alexandra Quick and the Audiobook Project, or find him on Twitter at Saber in Blue. Our opening theme is Synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band, sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you next time. time.